Welcome to the Melrose Place Podcast, where we rewatch, recap, and analyze every single episode of the hit 90s TV series Melrose Place. I'm Jenny Hill. I'm Dan. Let's get this started. Episode 30, The Big Bang Theory, and the season three finale, air date May 22nd, three days before my birthday, 1995. Wow. Holy shit. This was a doozy. It was the, it was awesome. Just yeah, the whole I thing. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. So let's get into it. We start with a shot of a prison. Now, my first instinct was, oh, my God, Peter's back. He's you said in- that right when we started watching it. Yeah. I like, w- Peter's going to be back. Yeah. And I said, he's in the prison. He's in the prison. But no, not no Peter yet. It's actually Michael who's in prison. If you'll remember, he did have a court hearing where his bond was set at two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars for stalking Amanda and and basically attacking Kimberly. Yep. And he's in prison. Well, fake attacking Kimberly. Well, yeah. Well, that's that's like his charge. Yeah. And so he's in prison, but he has a visitor who's coming to see him. Michael's in County Blues. Walking up to the visitor phone conference glass mirror place, and it's Sydney Andrews in like a butterfly power suit. <laughs> now, whenever they try to make Sydney look like a high powered businesswoman, they really like go for it with her hair. Mm-hmm. Like they tease that out. Give it's her some like volume. A lot of root lift. I mean, there's got to be maybe two inches. It's like coming off of her skull. They try to they try to give her the hair mitt. The Allison hair <laughs> I mitt. I guess that's like their high powered like woman hairstyle. But even she Where's the hair mitt better than Allison? Look, no one is going to look as bad as Allison did with that hairstyle. But he, here's what doesn't work about this scene is that Sydney, she comes there on her own accord to uh, to speak with Michael and... Basically to rub it in his face that she could go shopping or go see a movie yeah. or go out to lunch. But yeah, her posture is like, I don't need to be here and you're fucked. So why would why would you even go? Why would you even go there? And then he has to be like, "Oh, Sydney, wait, 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 don't leave!" Like, why did you even show up to the jail? I think just to rub it in his face that he's in jail and she's not. And I guess so. But she's like, "I wish I could help, Michael, but you know, what can I do?" I've got things to do. I could see a movie or Sid, go out to lunch. Sid, you owe me. You owe me. And um. He, Michael feeds her that same bullshit that he always does. He's like, come on, you got to help me. Kimberly framed me. You're my, you're my only friend. You're the only person I can trust. We're buddies. Come on, Sid. We have a connection. But like, this is old hat. 
But Sydney reluctantly agrees to this and says, okay, I'll see what I can find out. I'll kind of get the skinny on what Kimberly is planning. But until then, a little word of advice. Keep your back to the wall. <laughs> no one's getting raped in county. Dan, I don't know. I, I really don't think so. Like, the difference between prison and county is that, like, prison, you're serving the sentence. County is, like, the waiting room where, like, you sit. How wait. do you know so much about prisons? Uh, I watch television. <laughs> and I, I had my run-ins as a, as a minor. But, like, you just you sit in county to, like, wait for your court date. And that's it. But I, I don't think that people are, like, jumping... Or like, man, I gotta have sex right now. I don't know, time, Dan. Time to rape. No I girls mean, in the vicinity. You're the one with the DH, so. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And that DH is closed in county. Okay, so that's our cold open. We then go to our opening credits, and then we have a couple of really fun establishing shots. We got all of our, all of the the hits are everyone, in this one. Everyone came out to play. The paper and bread boy. The ho- the hose guy. The milkman. The wood chipper guys. They're all out. They're all making the rounds, throwing the paper. I was surprised we didn't see the runner with the oh, dog. Oh, yeah. And you were really waiting for the baguette delivery dude. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy putting up the umbrella. Yeah. The the trash can. And then our three buddies on the, the bike. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we had all of the hits. Um, and then we have a very like sticks inspired track in the background for those of you watching on the DVD set or on mm-hmm, Hulu mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. you know, of course, all the music is gone. Brooke and Billy show up at daddy's house. They're hand in hand and they're ready to tell daddy the good news that they've gotten engaged. Armstrong. He, he he gives this like cold congratulations and like he's so happy and um, uh, they're thinking about this Saturday. Yeah, he wants to know, have you set a date yet? And that's their response. Yeah, we think this Saturday, which is less than one week away. Get the hell out of here now, with he- this Saturday. If my daughter, if our daughter said, I'm getting married... And it's going to be, we're thinking this Saturday at your place. I'd be like, no. <laughs> That's insane. Like That can't, that cannot happen. I'm sorry. But we know Mr. Armstrong always likes to make his little baby girl happy. So he does request a few moments alone with Brooke and kind of gives her that like, hey, are you crazy? What are you thinking? And she says, daddy, I love him. This is real. We want to get married as soon as possible. When you know, you know, this is it. This is my guy. I, I cannot believe he's cool with this. Mr. Armstrong is worried that Billy is a nobody. He's not going to be able to deliver on the kind of lifestyle that Brooke is accustomed to. Billy is just like that little company in St. Louis that you've turned into a Fortune 500 company. He just takes a little bit of coddling and reworking and refining, and he's going to be great. He isn't. (laughs) There is no way Billy is great or can be great. Or has the inkling of potential to be great. 
We now go to Wilshire Memorial, where Kimberly is walking around dazed and confused. You'll remember last episode, we ended with Kimberly looking into a mirror where a freaky psycho guy was peering out on her reflection, telling her that he's lived inside of her and they have lots of work to do. I thought, I th- I love that we were calling him like the man in the mirror. That's a perfect cast name for him, but they've casted him as Henry. Henry. Just Henry. The man in the mirror. Henry. I don't get it. Well, maybe he has significance in future episodes. I don't know. Maybe he's like an actual real life person from her life, from her past. He's so disgusting. He is really bad. So she is really freaked out. Kimberly. (laughs) Kimberly. I'm inside you. He keeps saying that. Yeah, he really wants her to know that that's where he lives. I am you, Kimberly. (laughs) So she's walking around kind of like out of it at work. He's telling her like, your world would be so better off without those two bitches. I feel like this guy is the voice of Stimpy. Oh, it sounds very reminiscent of that. Stimpy, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) So Kimberly walks into the break room and she opens her locker, which of course there is a mirror in the locker. And that's when... Kimberly, I'm inside you. Now She gets the biggest headache No, Yeah, Henry is saying that she can't just sit back and do nothing, that she needs to hurt Amanda and Matt and Sydney and Michael. She needs to get revenge. And then we just leave her saying, I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. Over and over again. That headache is very severe. And um, as she's like trying to figure out her headache, the 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 camera like pans away and there's a post-it note on one of the o- other lockers that says call your mom you left your toofy at her house just so you know don't know what a toofy is but okay and this, i'm bringing y'all the deets all of the deets here so let's go to shooters it's bumping packed house again no fall off of business after a mass shooting has occurred. That's got to be a little weird. Shooting at shooters. Probably should change the name too. <laughs> Don't want to be reminded of the shooting. But Jake walks in relatively pain-free. He, <laughs> there is no, you cannot tell that this man days before yeah. was shot in the stomach. A life-threatening injury, but he pulled through. It's like, guys, when you get hurt, in places on your body, you really start to understand how much that part of your body is used throughout the day. Like if you hurt your shoulder, like just any sort of movement there is going to bring pain. And I'm sure that is like magnified when you get shot in the abdominals. Yeah, that's your core. Everything stems from that part of your body. But no, I mean, he saunters in. He sees Jess behind the bar, and that sets him off. In uniform, just running the show. Jake's like, thought I told you, you don't work here. And Jake basically tells him to get out of his life for good. And Jess says, well, if I leave, little brother, then just so you know, I'm done. I don't have a brother. And 
Jake is like, sounds good to me. See you later. Yeah. He says, you going to leave quietly or are you going to give me the pleasure of throwing your ass out? Ouch. Ooh. Jess, but dude, Jess is getting everything he deserves. Well, he goes. Nobody asked you, motherfucker, for, uh, for that. To come in and like run the bar. Jess is so annoying and his face is just getting on my nerves so much. He is the scum of the earth. So he leaves and he tells Jake, when I leave, you don't have a brother anymore. Great. Uh, Wonderful. Because that's the way you like it. You like being alone. That's the way little brother likes it, huh? (laughs) Let's swing over to Wilshire Memorial. Um, Sydney is there sort of um, like uh, living up to her end of her bargain with Michael and kind of like trying to get Sydney, trying to get Kimberly to reveal some sort of what's happening in her head so that, so that she can like uh, build up um, a case against her basically. Now, Sydney is there as Kimberly's patient, which is yeah. very odd to me. Kimberly works in a, a hospital I would say probably the ER and I don't know why Sydney is going to see her that she's feeling out of sorts. And so Kimberly's doing an exam on her. Well, it's all fake. It's all built up. Like she, she, Michael was like, please, you got to help me get, yeah, get rid aware. of Sid. I, I know, but I'm just saying if you, why would you go to a hospital and see an ER doctor? Probably Shooters doesn't offer um, health care. I mean, the, even under this guise of, oh, I'm not doing well. It's like, then go to like your primary care physician. Shooters probably doesn't have have that insurance. So she's like, she just got to go to the ER and roll of the dice gets Kimberly. Sydney tells Kimberly that she's getting headaches and she starts trying to pry into Kimberly's life to figure out what the hell's going on in that crazy head of hers? Now, throughout this, Kimberly is continuing to have visions and messages from Henry, I guess. We we only know his name is Henry because that's how he's listed in IMDb. Yeah, no but one's called him Henry Creepy yet. guy that lives inside her. And he keeps saying... This is your chance, Kimberly. You can get her. Take your chance, Kimberly. So all and the while. Like Sydney is sitting in front with her back towards Kimberly, just having a conversation. Right. And of course, again, Kimberly is giving her one word answer. She's not interested at all in anything. H- Henry inside Kimberly's voice tells Kimberly to pick up uh a nose hair trimmer, it looks They're like. They're like little surgical scissors. And she, he tells her to stab her in the neck. Kimberly goes as far to pick them up, but she restrains herself and drops them down, which uh, causes a little clink on a tray, and that causes Sydney to look back. And um, Kimberly snaps out of it momentarily and is able to take her blood and... No harm comes to Sydney in this scene. Close call. Henry almost got what he she wanted. And unfortunately, Sydney got no information about Kimberly's little plan regarding Michael. Nothing. Now, the worst relationship in the history of the show. 
Paul and Matt. Paul is a he's a night stalker. He just creeps up behind Matt. It's like, hey, miss ya. What's up? And then Matt, I thought Matt was just gonna be like, dude, it's done. Fuck this. But instead, Matt turns around. And he's like, me too. <laughs> now we're still at the hospital, okay? So they're they're still there. They're working, uh, and Paul says that he and Carol have decided to declare a truce, and they are meeting with the divorce lawyer that afternoon. It- now, <laughs> Paul just needs Matt's assurance. Just need to know that you're gonna hang in there. That you're not going anywhere. And then Matt's like, "Yep, I'm in." I'm still down. Now, although you've 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 fucking shorted me three times with this woman. I mean, honestly, the last time he went when he's just waiting outside of his house and they're just looking at him through the window, drinking that w- whiskey. That would have been my last straw. Like, nope. Yeah, something strange is going like, on. Like, I no. I'm not doing this, but for some Matt is just a good person and he wants to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. So they plan on keeping this thing alive. Now we go to Jane Mancini designs and we're not there long before two cops just bust in and they're like, all right, everyone stop working because your boss owes a shitload of money. Yep. Foreclosure. Business is in foreclosure. We're done. And Jane asks, don't I have any rights? And the cop says, lady, all you have is debt. (laughs) Doesn't look good for Jane. Jane's like, I got orders to fill and designs is done. And you know what? It kind of serves Jane right. Maybe if she spent a little more time working and a little less time hiring actors to trick Sydney into giving (laughs) up her title as president... Maybe she'd still be in business. Like, how much time did that whole thing take? You know, that's a great point, Dan. How much money did it cost to hire models <laughs> and train to pose them? As FBI. Well, I'm sorry, to like as drug lords, but like undercover FBI drug lords. Yeah, they, they probably paid them SAG prices. That's fucking expensive. And like, just no. Come on, Jane. Little less time working on but that. But I gotta say, I gotta hand it to the writers that they finally followed this through. I had so many like worries about like, dude, there's no way that five hundred thousand dollars could just go missing and like we're fine. Yeah. But then she got a hundred. Got a little bit of it back. But she probably gave all of that to the cops. And then she had to buy yeah. a kilo of heroin. <laughs> To like trick Sydney. I mean, that's gotta be like a easy G yeah. more than that. I don't I don't know she, drug prices. She had, to, she had to pay for that dinner that the that the actor took Sydney to. That's right. And then remember Sydney ordered like the Dom Perignon. <laughs> the like most expensive bottle of champagne. That's all on Mancini designs. <laughs> she fucked him. She that yeah. like you know what? She should have kept Sydney on as president and then knew the business would go under and then she's screwed. Sydney would be screwed. Well, the the business is done, so I think like that's they're all screwed. Yeah. So let's go over to Joe's place. She's made Jess a wonderful dinner. 
And she's like, Jess, it's dinner time. <laughs> and Jess is just like, not hungry. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I made a great dinner, then you should eat it. Yeah, this is when we start seeing, like, we know that Jess sucks a lot, but, like, we really start seeing his true colors in this episode. He's so depressed. And um, Joe says, like, Shooters, she's like, look, Shooters isn't the only game in town, which is is refreshing to hear because D&D is the only game in town, Wilshire Memorial is the only game in town, It's nice to know that there's like other bars that this guy could work at. Yeah. And, you know, she kind of like gives him a pep talk and he starts to it starts getting through to him. And he says, you know, Joe, the only thing working here is you and I. I'm on the rocks with my brother. I'm working like 15 hour shifts for free at shooters for some damn reason that no one can comprehend. Yeah. Um, and then, but you know what? I know at the end of the day, when I come home, this is rock solid. What you and I have. Right. And he, he said, I think yesterday that nothing seemed impossible when he's with Joe. So he should just get fired from shooters and be like, I'm good. I'm with you. <laughs> well, he is fired from shooters, but he just continues to work there. Um, so, so- he finally says, all right, that pasta smells great. Yeah, let's go have dinner together. They're about to sit down, but then the phone rings. And Jess immediately like intrudes, and he's like, don't answer it. We're eating. Now, Joe says, look, Jess, it could be something about the shoot tomorrow. I have to answer. She does, and she is excited to hear Allison's voice on the other line. And Allison's like, hey, Joe. My office looks like a prison in here, and uh, <laughs> they don't have any lamps because it's really dark and looks like a cave. But Billy, he didn't get my note, or he misunderstood it. What's going on? Okay, I- stop there. <laughs> we all saw the real letter that Allison sent to Billy, right? Yeah. And it gave him the choice. Our relationship is in your hands. I love you. If you love me too, I'll be on the first plane back. But if you don't, you can walk away from this relationship and I will not contact you anymore. Write what you mean. So, okay. <laughs> I This one, she's like, he didn't understand my letter. Maybe he selected the, I don't want to be with you anymore yeah. category. He's not into it. He's just not into it. But she's upset. She's like, I think I should come home. Joe's like, hey, just don't until I talk to you again. But boom, Jess snatches the phone. Yeah. (laughs) Snatches the phone out of Joe's hand, gets on the receiver, and he says, Allison, this is Jess. Our dinner's getting cold, so Joe's going to have to get back with you at a later time. And then he puts the receiver against his chest and says, Joe, this is my time with you, and I don't want to share it. This is a red flag, guys. If you, This is a person in the middle of their apartment waving the biggest red flag in the world. And, okay, I always like to go back to timelines here. How long have they been living together? I mean, I'm going to venture to guess four days. And that's giving that's giving like a lot of padding on that. Maybe four days. Maybe four days. Okay. You new boyfriend, 
starts living with you. Things seem going good. And four days in, he's trying to exert this kind of control over you. From a character development standpoint, like Joe should not, she should be better than this. She like her ex-husband was was physical with her and nasty to her and controlling. I mean, we saw what Reed. happened to Reed. Yeah. We saw what happened to Reed. She killed a guy for being like this. Like Joe should be no nonsense up to this point and just be like, get the fuck out of here. You're we're done. You don't talk to me like that. What happened to like gun toting Joe? Mm. Who was she's like gotten soft. She's gone cold, man. Well, so she gets back on the line with Allison and says, you know, I do have to go, but don't leave Hong Kong yet. I'm going to do some work. I'll get back with you as soon as I can about what might be going on with Billy. And let's swing on over back to County. Michael goes for another call behind glass and there's another visitor. Dun, dun, dun. And guys, this time my wish came true because... Peter is right there on the other side of the glass. I was thinking this is a great opportunity for Michael to meet Peter in prison. Mm. I thought that they were going to like... Maybe like cellmates. Yeah, and then I thought that they were going to like conspire to break out of prison together. That's kind of... No, Dan, (laughs) are you kidding me? I mean, it could happen. Uh, yes, it could. In the world of Melrose Place, anything can happen. But they, they would never be able to be doctors again. So Peter shows up. He's missing his hair gel. Yeah, he I looks do like a beetle. Not, <laughs> I do not love this hairstyle on him. He picks up the phone. He's like, "Hey, Michael, <laughs> I am the Beatles. <laughs> How are you?" Um, But Michael cannot believe his eyes And Peter's like Funny how things work out isn't it We'll swap prison stories another time You're on this side of the glass And I'm a free man (laughs) And he says Right now your bail is at $200,000 And I'm in the mood To play banker And this is again More perfect writing for this episode This is a great opportunity to bring back Peter In a time where uh, Michael needs help. Perfect. And it gets better as the episode goes on. We now head over to Brooke and Billy who are running around the Melrose Place neighborhood. They enter into the courtyard. They run up the stairs. Billy almost busts his ass on those steps. <laughs> Dan wanted to rewind that like nine times. And then like, he almost fell. He does the, the quintessential like overcompensate and play it off because he trips down one step and then he leaps up three like <laughs> oh, i'm good i'm good guys don't worry about me but yeah remember when he and allison used to do this yeah race you to the door yeah he's- loser pops the popcorn <laughs> <laughs> he's got a new running partner yeah. so they're running up to his apartment and then on the way joe's just so happens to be coming out of her house and it's like, hey, Billy, can I talk with you for a minute? And Brooke is like, sure, I'll just go jump in the shower, Billy. Ah, bye. And Billy's like, I'll meet you there <laughs> in the shower, too. <laughs> so Joe, of course, is a little surprised to hear this. And she says, well, it looks like you two are a couple. That happened rather quickly. And Billy then 
like puts this bomb on her to say, oh yeah, well, things are going really well with us and we're actually getting married on Saturday. There's an invitation in your mailbox. And Joe is like, um, what? Did you know that Allison still loves you? (laughs) Which is unfair. Like if I was Billy, I'd do the same thing. I'd be like, okay, I don't care. Like, did you hear what I just said? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's what Billy does essentially say. And he's like, well, you know, I'm in love with Brooke. I don't have any feelings toward Allison. And Joe says, Billy, I think you're making a mistake. This is a rebound. Which, okay, I, usually I'm the type of person to say, let people make their own mistakes in life. If he feels like he needs to get married to somebody because they love each other that much, fine. But... This is literally days, days of dating. I mean, even Joe's air hockey date, even Joe said, even Joe said, Allison just left a couple of days ago. Like it's literally been days. (laughs) (laughs) That's what that's this whole crap. When you know, you know, like, no, no, that's not. That's like when the Jess fiasco starts happening. Yeah. We're getting married at Daddy's on Saturday. Hope you brought your jacket. I don't know what that meant. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Peter and Michael, they're having a beer on the deck of the beach house that Michael can't afford. So Michael's a free man. Peter made good, and he bailed him out of jail. Hey, Jenny, did you know that Peter was in jail for three days? (laughs) For fucking attempting a murder on somebody. Dan, he's got a really great lawyer. And he says, he tells Michael that he's willing to foot the bill for his amazing lawyer to get Michael off of this whole, like, beating charge against Kimberly if he agrees to testify at the board, to the board, that... Basically, the whole ordeal with Amanda was... Was righteous. Yeah, so basically... She really did have appendicitis. And and she had to go into emergency surgery, and that's the whole catch with this. Yeah. Peter Peter's medical license is about to be revoked, and if he doesn't have people talking on his behalf and vouching for him, it's very possible that he could lose his license. Yeah. Now, this is... I don't know. I was a little confused at this, but the the main gist is Peter fixes Michael's money situation. Michael fixes Peter's doctor situation. Right. And then they have like the worst <laughs> like TGIF moment of like, like, we're two of a kind. And they do. Okay. So then they take swigs of their beers together and it's like, looks like a beer commercial where they're like, Oh, cool. Mentos. <laughs> the fresh maker. It's so corny. So corny. Um, so they're all buddy, buddy. Now, then we head over to China. We have some establishing shots of like, of China. It appears. <laughs> A lot of buses, a lot of tourists, and Allison is at a Chinese AA meeting. Right. Now, immediately, you can see the skeezy dude like that's just like... 
given her the eyes from across the room. So it's like at the end of the meeting, they're all holding hands and they're saying whatever the mantra is at the end of AA. And this guy is just like, oh, hey, excuse me, miss. And can I ask... Where is this guy from? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even get this dude's name, but he's just like, oh, hello. Are you Allison? I'm in the marketing division as well over at Armstrong. And it's the weirdest melding of like, it's Cockney, like Chris Marche. <laughs> but like, like we knew Chris was from Australia. I think <laughs> this guy is like, I can't put my finger on it. Like, is he South African? Is he like Cockney British? No Where idea. Where is he from? No idea. I'm trying to find him on IMDb, but it's not working. So this guy, he offers to be Allison's sponsor and he gives her his number and he's like, call me anytime. Day or night, I'll be here for you. Like, he reminds me of a leprechaun a little bit. <laughs> I'll be your sponsor because I can speak English, okay? <laughs> That's basically what he says. He's like, I speak English pretty good for five years. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Ian Sinclair is played by Peter Lavin, and he's known for his work on The Mummy 2017. Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Mm, great. So he's he's doing all right. He is doing all right. But yeah, that was just super weird. I was like, oh God, not not Terry part three. Yeah, it's like another love interest and weird skeezy dude that like just zeroes in on Allison and like digs their claws into her. Yeah, please spare us. So... Now we go to Michael at Jane's place. It's just like old times, guys. It reminds me of season one all over again. Just yelling at her. Come on, Jane. (laughs) How could they foreclose on you with our money? Sydney invested $100,000 of my money. Where did that go? And Jane's just like, I don't know, Michael. Fuck off. (laughs) So Get out of my house. During during this little altercation, there's a knock on the door and it's Amanda. Now, of course, she's gotta she can't help herself. She has to be a total bitch to Jane Mm -hmm. and says, Oh wow, half of LA is already at work and you're still in your bathrobe. Here's this bill. <laughs> so basically, Jane has fallen behind on her payments to D&D for their advertising campaign. And this is when Jane lays it on Amanda that, hey, I'm in foreclosure. It's chapter 11, baby. So you got to get in line with all the other vendors that I owe money to. Then Michael appears eating apples all weird again. <laughs> he takes half of that apple <laughs> and just is crunching it. At least he's consistent. I I think that's a character choice. (laughs) He eats apples real fucked up. But he appears and Amanda's like, what the hell is he doing here? I thought he was behind bars. And uh, (laughs) she's just shocked. And like, Michael's just like, oh, hey, hey, uh, hey, you loser. I'm out. And I didn't do it. And I'm going to prove it. 
So before Amanda leaves, she does let it slip that later on that day, she has a meeting with the VP of McKenzie Heart Designs to do their ad campaign. Now, this is of great interest to Jane. We learn that Mackenzie Hart is one of Jane's style icons and she would do anything to work with Mackenzie and says, Oh Amanda, please get me, get me a meeting. Just get me a meeting. And Amanda completely declines. Like, and are then- you kidding me? <laughs> Why would I give you a meeting? A person who just lost their business with one of our top clients. Right. So, Jane has got to do her own Her own digging. Yeah. Next scene, Amanda and Brooke are walking in D&D to the elevator with Hart. The VP of McKenzie Hart. Right. And they're walking towards the elevator. Apparently, like, it's a done deal. They're, They're in a partnership. And then Jane, she just storms in. And intercepts like their entire like convoy and just starts talking to to Hart. Right. So she comes up and she's like, Mr. Hart, my name is Jane Mancini. And at that point, Amanda's like, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Hart. This woman is crazy. I don't know why she's here. Don't listen to her. And she physically prevents Jane from going on the elevator with Mr. Hart. But Jane gives her a taste of her own medicine, and she just like body slams her. She picks her out up of and the way. Her. What does she say? She goes, "Careful, careful!" <laughs> and then she jumps in the elevator just in time before the doors close, and she has the time alone with Mister Hart, giving him the elevator pitch of yeah. what she's able to do. Um. And, you know, he's he's sort of, like, flattered that someone would go that far to, like, just speak with him. And she, like, does she pass him the, her, her papers? But she, she like, kind of does and then's like, never mind. Well, yes. And she, she really tries to give him the hard sell at first. And he's like, look, I don't do any of the hiring. That's the personnel department. And she says, I own my own design company as of yesterday. I'm ready to work. I've got a lot of experience. And she can tell that it's really falling on deaf ears. So she just kind of, that's when she kind of gives she, like, up. Backs off. And then he says, you know what? Actually, anybody who is willing to body slam the president of D&D just to get a moment to talk to me is worth my time. I'll go ahead. Let's set up a meeting for tomorrow. Here's my card. Now, this guy is played by uh, Patrick Muldoon. Do you know Patrick Muldoon? Only because you said Starship Troopers. Yeah, he's he plays opposite of um, Denise Richards in Starship Troopers. And he's he's known now for like Hallmark Christmas movies. Like, a lot of the Melrose Place cast, that's kind of where they've ended that's, up. That's where they land, yeah, in, in the Hallmark circuit. <laughs> <laughs> Hallmark lifetime made-for-TV yeah. movies. If they're lucky. Yeah. If they're lucky. Um, so now we go to Shooters. Michael shows up. To at to talk to Sydney, who is now she's back to work at Shooters. She's back. That's never discussed. Yeah, that she she's just now. already there. Yeah, she's already there. 
Um, so he asked Sydney, he's like, so what's up? Have you gotten anything from Kim- Kimberly? And um, he gets the info from Sydney of where she's staying. That's what she was able to, to get from her hospital visit, that yeah. she's at this motel. Casa Malibu Motel. And he's like, okay, well, you got to get in there for me. And Sydney's like, Michael, why would I do that? Oh, come on, Sid. I can't go over there. I mean, uh, people would know who I am. Like, I'd be an easy target. You have to do it for me. Do some and digging. I'm kind of like with you on this, Dan. What is the motivate? Like, why would she do this for Michael? She doesn't give a shit. What's the motivation? <sighs> I guess to like screw Kimberly. The chance to get even. I mean, that really isn't conveyed as much as I think it could have been. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe she has some underlying hate for Kimberly because of the whole like f- framing with the insanity thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. So Michael says, you got to break in, you got to snoop around, but bring a camera and call me if you find anything juicy. Right. Now we go to Wilshire Memorial. Paul is on the phone ordering a dozen roses for his lovely wife. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Yeah. This What's is, going on? This is so weird to me. I was having such a hard time understanding like where we are. Why does this guy want to keep up with his wife and Matt? I mean, there are like terrible people out there that just want to double time they're lovers and totally just, play with their hearts and minds. And they like the excitement of it. Yeah. So he's like dictating to the person on the other end of the line, like make the note say love Paul. No, make it say forever Paul forever Paul. Now, just as so he's weird. hanging up, Matt is coming into his office. So as soon as Matt comes in, Paul jumps up out of his desk and is like, oh, hey, how you doing, buddy? Yeah. Yeah, what's up, babe? How you doing? And then they walk out of the office together. Now, we're back at Wilshire Memorial where Dr. Kimberly Shaw has a call on line one. She picks it up and we cut over to Sydney, who's sitting in her car waiting outside of the motel. And we learn very quickly that the reason she's calling for Kimberly to the hospital is to make sure she's not there and so Sydney can have full reign in the motel room. Right. Very sneaky of you, Sid. So now she goes to the window, opens it very quickly. I mean, there's no breaking at all. There's only entering. Zero security. She just opens the window. She climbs in. She pulls out her flashlight. And she kind of starts snooping around. And then she goes into the bathroom area where there's, there's the mirror. Now, instead of the mirror being there for you to look in and see your reflection, it's been pasted over by photos of the Melrose Place gang, mainly Amanda, Sydney, Matt, and Michael. And there are, I don't know if it's nail polish or lipstick or her own blood. Like chocolate syrup or but like strawberry syrup. There, It's just in red. Just R.I.P. Die. Eyes are cut out and scratched out. It's really disturbing. Matt's head is decapitated and he's holding it in his crossed arms. 
It's like it pretty is creative, fun. though. Like it is, but you had an interesting comment. Like how how has Kimberly gotten all of these photos, he, and then how has she gotten several prints of the same photo? Like she went to CVS and had like like I don't even like like six tuplets made. Like yeah. she had like you know how you would be like ooh doubles. Like I remember going and yeah. be like. Order doubles or like if you were sharing it with a lot of people you might get triples like she got like 16th <laughs> Can <laughs> I, I have 17 of these please of michael just being michael yeah and where how is she getting pictures of matt pictures of sydney yeah there's no facebook <laughs> you can't just like copy paste yeah and it's not like candid photos that she was able to like take herself while they're like walking to their cars it's like professional photos of them like like their professional headshots they could have easily solved this by like having kimberly like steal joe's camera or something yeah just a quick shot a quick scene and then that 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 explains it oh i just developed like film of joe's Super easy. Just, nope. just just a shot of a hand snatching a camera. Fine. Nope. They, <laughs> they did not go that far to explain it. Nothing. So Sydney, she takes a picture of this on the most 90s as fuck camera in the world. She's taking pictures of the pictures. Yeah. And um, she says she has maybe, well, not the quote of the episode. There's so many better quotes, but she's like, Kim, you are not a well woman. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. So we go to the police station with Michael and Sydney, and they think that this is enough, enough evidence to like apprehend Kimberly. Right. So it's the next day. They've gone there with the photographic evidence of Kimberly having a personal vendetta against them with all of these threats with their heads cut out, their eyes scratched out. And I'll give it to this cop. I mean, he knows his stuff. He says, uh, yeah, what's your name again? Huh? Huh? Sydney? Is it Sydney Andrews? And she's like, yes. Oh, you were the girl that was imprisoned for having a prostitution ring and you were put in a mental institution for a time. And, and you were arrested for trying to kill him. And Michael, <laughs> uh, Michael Mancini, weren't you just, are you out on bail right now for battery? He's like, you guys should probably leave and get out of here. What do you want me to do? Arrest this woman for weird pictures? <laughs> and... If I have to think how how you got this information, I could even arrest you for breaking and entering right now. Michael's like, come on, man. She has a natural aptitude for homicide. (laughs) Does she have to kill us before you can arrest her? Well, yes, basically. Yes. So they're they're upset. They've got to take this thing into their own hands or get more uh, incriminating evidence on Kimberly to, to involve the police. Now we head over to a clinic where Peter is working for, I I think it's supposed to be like low income people and um, he's there kind of assisting kids. Yeah. He he like, he like takes the heartbeat of some little kid and he's like, now run along little Jimmy. And Kimberly is there to visit him. Right. And she makes the comment of you're good with kids, but lousy with adults. And then um, 
Peter asks, like, how did you find me? And she says that Amanda told Kimberly that Peter was out. Right. So basically, Kimberly wants to warn Peter that Michael isn't a good person and that she shouldn't be palling around with him. And this is when Peter kind of starts to put the moves on Kimberly. Creepily, yeah. though. He's like, he says, you know, I've always had great respect for you, Kimberly. It may interest you to know that you've been a guest star in many of my sexual fantasies. Ugh. If someone effing said that to me, I think I would throw up on their face. Like, real talk of that same sentence is, hey, you know I've jerked off to you before? Ew! <laughs> It's disgusting. So, but you know, I love her response. She says, careful doctor, or you may have a sexual harassment suit on your hands as well. Like, good. Stand up for yourself, girl. And then Peter's like, I want a date. Let's get on this date. And she's like, no. But she does, she does entertain it a little bit and says like, what if the... What if the reality, what if the reality doesn't live up to... The fantasy. Yeah. Jane is at the meeting with Hart. We learn his first name is Richard. Richard Hart. But having a hard time understanding like how he kind of fits in. I think they mentioned that he's like the VP of Mackenzie Hart Hart Designs. Right. And uh, all of Jane's business ventures end up being sexual. We know where this is going. Yeah, and I don't know why. They're like, they're having a fine time talking about her business, and it always ends in, let's have dinner to discuss it further. I'm like, this is... But I'm here right now. Can't you just discuss it now while I'm here? It's like exactly what Chris Marchette said to her. I love what you're doing. Let's have dinner. (laughs) Okay. Now, Richard does make the distinction that it would be her, him, and Mackenzie. So this kind of puts Jane's mind at ease a little because you can kind of tell that she was a bit uncomfortable that he was... Propositioning her for 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 dinner. dinner. She should have just been like, you know, I would like to, but the last time I got my business and pleasure mixed up, um, my sister was attempted rape on. By Chris Marshall. My sister was attempted rape on. I can't speak. <laughs> you know I can't speak. But anyway, so they agree. Uh, Richard Hart agrees that Jane's work is fantastic. And that's where we leave them. Now, Allison in Hong Kong again calls D&D to talk to Brooke, but gets Amanda. I don't know how that would happen. I mean, we've already gone over that the the secretaries at D and D are completely inept. Yeah. Hello, so, Brooke, please. Oh, president of D and D, coming right up. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I saw that Brooke's phone was ringing. I'll take it. <laughs> so Amanda, right there, sees her opportunity to be a total bitch and is like, "Oh, are you calling to congratulate Brooke?" and Amanda, um, Allison, of course, has no idea what Amanda's talking about. And she says, oh, why? Did she get promoted? Oh, no. She's getting married this Saturday, of course. I'm the maid of honor. (laughs) Yeah, she loves to throw that in. And then Allison is like, oh, my gosh, to who? Oh, well, Billy, of course. Duh. You know, 
I can't get over that Billy has had sex with every woman he's worked with. <laughs> like, this isn't the at least bit awkward that, like, the, that his fiance's maid of honor is the woman that he almost had a baby going with. to have a baby with. <laughs> it's not yeah. weird. Not weird for anybody. Just no, me. No. And Billy's so, cool with it. I mean, he's only known Brooke for four days, so they probably haven't even gotten into that like part of their lives yet. Yeah. About talking about like past relationships and stuff. Yeah, it's just true. sunshine and butterflies right now. Right. Because they've only been together for like 72 hours. Yeah. <laughs> So Allison, right then, is just starting to put it all together. That Brooke is a cold, dead inside bitch. And that's where we leave them. Now we're with Billy, who is going to Shooters to ask Jake Hansen a favor. Oh, God. Oh, God. Billy tells Jake, he's like, hey, man, um, getting married again. <laughs> and Jake's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're- we are getting <laughs> married and he's like oh yeah but it's not gonna be like the last time i need a uh, best man and i'm wondering if you'll if you'll do it for me and then they throw it back they they give a nod to when billy asked before and jake like fake cocks back to like give him another knuckle sandwich yeah and thank goodness because if they didn't if they didn't touch on that i'd be like i'd be mad at missed them. opportunity yeah 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 that was the best. I think that's still the <laughs> best punch. Come on, Jake. Good. What do you say? Will you be my best man? Bah! Yeah. That was, oh, that it was perfect. Good. So they they have a laugh about that, and Jake's like, yeah, sure. Why not? Fuck it. I'll be your best man. <laughs> When's the wedding? Oh, tomorrow? <laughs> Great. Roger, Roger. <laughs> I don't have a business to run. You got it, buddy. Okay. Are they even friends? There was an episode like, about holy. how they're not friends. Yeah, and then they went on like a fishing trip. <laughs> there hasn't been a lot of episodes where people discuss their relationship, but there has with Billy and Jake, and it's <laughs> that they are not friends. <laughs> but Dan, that was a year ago, and in Melrose Place, like time frames, in our time that in, on planet Earth that we're living right now, yeah. it's equivalent to about, I'd say like one year is I'm going to say 17 years in like today, <laughs> like now earth time. So weird. <laughs> I remember that whole thing. He was like, here's your tackle box. No, like Jake was like, I need my fishing tackle box that you borrowed. <laughs> like, here it is. Maybe we can go fishing one day. And Jake's like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so now we're back at Hong Kong where Allison is walking with her sponsor. Oi, hello, Allison. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> are you from everywhere, sir? Because your accent I'm is, a citizen of the world. <laughs> your accent is globally everything. Yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like a little bit of... A <laughs> little bit of German, little bit of... South African. <laughs> I know, I'm not And it's a lot of Cockney as well. <laughs> oh, my he God. Could be Chinese. I don't know. He really could be. But they're, they're <laughs> chatting. Allison's like, I just met you. Should I move to fucking L.A. again? <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> like, why do you confide in this dude at all? <laughs> like, yeah, um, I might be going. You think I can get some time off of work? 
And he's like, I'm in the mail room. Like, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about. Well, no, he does have a little bit of information. He says, well, Mr. Armstrong must really love you. He <laughs> did. Cre- <laughs> he created the entire title of VP of marketing, especially for you. Yeah, you're the first we've ever had. And she's, and then she really puts it together. She's like, what? I'm the first? Who are you? <laughs> what are you? What do you do there? What's going on? I don't understand why this guy is around. <laughs> like, this guy could have easily, like, been just like a phone call with Armstrong. Yeah. Where he, like, slips and says, like... <laughs> Oh yeah, you're the no. first. No, let's 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 pay this weird guy to be in AA, then to be her sponsor. I, it's just it's a lot of work for he he's he's not he's not that important to the storyline, no. you know. Unless he has a, a bigger role down the road, I don't know. He better get his accent fixed. <laughs> this better be a Sandy Harling type thing where he just comes back and he's like, "Yo, I'm from New York." <laughs> <laughs> like just fucking pick one. Hey Jake. Hi Jake. And she just drops it. <laughs> Hello Jake. Okay. So next up, we are with Paul and Carol, and Carol is leaving to go to their niece's graduation. Now Paul is really upset that he's not going to be able to make it, but Carol says, when I come back, I expect a hero's welcome. And Paul says, whatever you want, Carol, when you're back, I'll take you out shopping wherever you want. We'll go out to dinner. I'm so sorry I can't make it to our niece's graduation. So this is setting it up that he's going to have the house to himself mm-hmm. and probably spend a little bit of time with Matt. Right. So he, he's like, get the fuck in the car, get out of here. And then he goes back in the house, calls Matt, and is like, hey, hey, babe, why don't you come over, have dinner? And Matt's like, uh, all right, I'm down. And that's that. So next scene, Jane is at dinner with Richard and Mackenzie. Dominique's. And yeah, we finally get to meet this elusive Mackenzie Hart. Mackenzie Hart is played by Morgan Brittany. And she is known for a little show called Son of the Beach, a Baywatch (laughs) parody series. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Um, But... I mean, they're playing her as like this sort of like uh, Devil Wears Prada, like old person. But, but she doesn't, she look, doesn't that old. look old at all. Yeah, she's attractive. Like she looks like she might be five to ten years older than Jane. Yeah. Like she's okay. She's in her late 30s, early 40s. Right. And it's just it is not clear. What what Ma- the relationship is with Richard? Yeah, it's is, very strange. It is not clear at all. So they're all out to dinner, and Mackenzie's kind of grilling Jane, looking through her renderings, kind of seeing her sketches. Her and sketches are bad. <laughs> we get a little little I'm talk- view. I'm talking Joe photography bad. <laughs> well, I like can see every- the appeal for the '90s. Everyone looks like they're on stilts. It looks like carnival clothing. That de- well, fashion. Renderings are kind of like 
They're elongated really? like that. Yeah. It looks like Ringling Brothers. <laughs> like everyone's on stilts. No, that's that's like, I think that's kind of like how you're supposed to draw fashion desi- designs. Okay. Um, so Mackenzie asks Jane if she thinks that she's talented. And Jane's like, well, I think I'm capable and I have a lot of room for improvement. Okay, they're impressed by that answer. What makes a good designer? And Jane says, a combination of instinct and ability. Oh, very good. Have you ever stolen designs? No. I would never do that. Okay, great. Well, I've got to leave. Richard, pay the bill, won't you? And she acts like it sucks. And then she like looks at Jane and she's like, monochromatic is out. <laughs> What's monochromatic? When everything is like within the same color palette. So, and that was really big in the 90s. Like you would have like the same color everything. Or like, like one very, vari- yeah. Or like one variation of a color, like. You could have different shades of that same color, but it's all monochromatic. It's all the same, mm. same color. Um, so Jane is like, great. Mackenzie, that old hag hates me. Now, Richard assures her, no, if, really, if she didn't like you, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have even got past appetizers like you did good, honey. And you know what? You start tomorrow. Don't let it throw you because you start tomorrow. I know this woman like the back of my hand. And then it's kind of like, are you guys together? How do you fit in with her? I didn't. Yeah, I just didn't get it. Didn't get it at all. Now we go to Jess. And Joe. Jess, <laughs> Jess got a job. <laughs> they've taken a little bike ride up to the like, I always want to call it like Lover's Lane. Make out point. Yeah, it's like the overlook of, of LA. And I think this is where... This is where Joe threw her meds. <laughs> yeah. I think this is... Where like Joe gave her meds to Allison and then Allison chucked and them And I think <laughs> it's where Allison and Jake made out too. Remember? It's where a lot of stuff happens. <laughs> when she was helping him... <laughs> Get his GED. Is this where Joe, like Jake revealed to J- to Joe that he had sex with Perry without a condom? <laughs> yeah, we probably did. <laughs> so much goes down here. Yeah, it's like the place that you tell people important news. <laughs> I may have had sex with someone with AIDS. <laughs> Did you use the condom? I need to pass a GED test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quick. What's one plus one? Okay. So they're overlooking the lights of LA and Jess tells Joe that he has gotten a legit job with a construction company. Robbins Construction. Yeah. And he's like, I want to make things more permanent, Joe. I want to be with you. and Will, I, I want to get married. Will you marry me? Joe, no. <laughs> Joe straight up laughs at her. <laughs> well, okay, number one, he doesn't have a ring. And it is a very out of left field. I mean, we've established, I think they're, this is day five of them right. together. I mean, they've only had trash slash wall sex like four times. <laughs> um, but I will say... After asking someone to marry you, the last thing that you want to hear is just a laugh of like, what? 
No. Well, Joe was very surprised. And now Jess has heard about this. And he's like, well, look, get back on the bike. Let's go. And Joe tries to salvage the moment. She's like, no, I'm sorry. Like, you just, just you surprised me. Like, I, I, we hadn't talked about this at all. And, you know, I'm not ready to make that commitment. I don't think he even knows that she was married before or even had a baby. Like, <laughs> they, they, like, haven't. They are. They have, don't know any intimate deals about uh, details about each other. He probably doesn't even know her name's Joe Beth. Probably not. I mean, for real. So she's like, "Look, this is just moving so fast. Stay. Come on. Like, let's just enjoy the the view. Let's get hang on out. the bike, Joe. I'm taking you home." And she does it. Yeah. Now Kimberly is all dolled up. You'll remember the last contact she had with Peter. She was really kind of like giving him the hand. Like she wasn't trying to get involved with him. Now she's taken it upon herself to just show up at his house with tickets to the opera. She looks amazing. She looks pretty good. Yeah. Real good. Like peach. I think it's like a peach flowing dress. So Kimberly walks into Peter's door, pulls out two opera tickets and she's like, she plays that same game she played with Michael when she was like, I have salad and and wine. <laughs> I made lunch. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> but she goes, I have two opera tickets. And Peter says, too bad I hate the opera. And he takes the tickets out of her hand and just throws them on the ground and then just starts passionately kissing her. Mm, 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 mm. And we can only imagine what happens later. So now, next, next day, we go to the beach house with Michael and Peter. And Michael... Oh, I'm sorry. Peter wants Michael to tell the board that he displayed superior judgment when he was going to kill Amanda <laughs> on the uh, operating table. Right. So Peter's basically coaching Michael exactly what to say in front of the board in order to get his medical license back and up and running. He, like Dan said, he wants Michael to basically convince them that in hindsight and after looking at the situation with some time between what had happened, that the appendectomy was truly needed and and that Amanda has a personal vendetta against all doctors at Wilshire Memorial. Right. Now he also mentions to Michael as a courtesy to you I wanted to tell you that I'm dating your ex-wife. <laughs> then he even twists the knife and he's like maybe if we're all adults about this we can double date one day. What? <laughs> Okay. And then Michael just says, are you crazy? Because she is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next scene, Jane is at Mackenzie and Hart. And Mackenzie Hart. That's her name. Oh, okay. They're both Hart. Yeah, because we find out that they're married. Right. Um, So they're at Mackenzie Hart. And Jane is fi- is like sort of being asked to to give up her name on the clothing label. When the scene opens up, she's sitting at her desk, and Richard is with her, showing her designs of that season. And he wants to know Jane's opinion. She says, 
I think these are tired. I think they're done. I mean, this is not what I would say is like on like the hip pulse of the industry. And Richard says, well, you know what? That's why you're here. Mackenzie has lost the pulse on the market. 75% of women under 40 are buying our brand and we're not able to speak to them anymore. So that's where you come in. You're going to need to design stuff so we can sell it under this label. And Jane isn't really loving this idea. She's like, so I design everything and then Mackenzie just puts her name on it. Yeah, that's the job. That's Like that, when you're working at a fashion house, that's what it is. You're designing for that label. It's like, dude, this is business. And honestly, you can certainly gain fame and recognition working under another designer. Yeah. Many designers do that and they branch out to start their own fashion houses. Seriously. This is like... It's basic. Like it's, it's any industry. Like, yes, you're working for a company. Just like at D&D, all of the pitches and the advertising campaigns that they craft are all under D&D. Yeah. <laughs> like, if your last name is Johnson and you make a really cool hamburger for McDonald's, <laughs> they're not going to call it the Johnson. They're going to call that shit the Mick something. The McTasty. I think that's a real thing, Dan. The Big and Tasty was a real thing. Oh, okay. But yeah, they're they're throwing Mick on it somewhere. It's not just yours. It's like, come on, guy. Come on, man. Um, So Jane isn't feeling this. And then Richard is like, look, let me take you to dinner again. (laughs) Jane's like, okay. She loves dinner. She's a sucker for dinner. So immediately, the next scene is Jane and Richard walking back into the Melrose Place courtyard after having gone to dinner together. And they're kind of discussing how it went, that basically Richard knew the maitre d' and was able to get in and skip the line, and the service was incredible, and everything was just amazing. And he pays her a compliment and says, Jane, you've got skills, but you just don't have the killer instincts that are needed to make a, like a perfect, well-rounded designer to close the deal. And she's like, they get to her door and she asks him to come in and he's very hesitant about it. And this was like one of the first inklings to me to be like, Oh, is he in a romantic relationship with Mackenzie? Up until this point, this was really not... So I didn't think about that at all. I thought about like the development of Jane as a character to where she used to always be the mouse. And here she's trying, after he basically challenged her and said she doesn't have killer instinct to like seal a deal, mm-hmm. she's like, oh yeah, watch this. I'm going to seal this deal. Yeah. Mm. And like, yeah, she, she, she's always super like, no, no, I don't want to. But now she's like, please come in. But let's do this. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, okay, of course, any sane man would be like, of course I'm coming in. But he's like, um, no, I think we should keep it professional. And I, and I'm thinking, okay, who is he dating? Is he with Mackenzie? And then she says, no, he says I should be going. And she says, no. You should have a woman your own age. Right. 
And then this again is a dig at Mackenzie's age, which it's like, she looks exactly the yeah, same as you. I didn't get it. I was like, who's, who he has a woman? Where and she's the, old? Where was the old lady? Who knows? Now, we're back in China. Allison is calling Armstrong. Right. She's sick of playing the charade. She knows what the Armstrongs are up to in the whole end game for Brooke. And she tells him straight up, I am tendering my resignation right now. I'm coming home. You created this position for me on the other side of the world. And we both know it wasn't for my benefit. I beg to differ. She has a fake job. In Where China. she basically doesn't have to do like anything. She's she hasn't turned the lights on in her office. <laughs> She's making a hundred grand. She works with the world traveler, <laughs> random person. That's the only other employee there. And she's got it cozy. She's just there. Collect your check. The only thing she has to do is give up true love. And can you really put a price on that? Yes. A hundred grand. <laughs> and you forgot that she does have potential to bonus up to $40,000. Right. And dude, if it was that important to her, why did you leave a letter in the, in the hands of Brooke? Like, if you gave a shit about Billy, you would have you not done that. You would have done something completely different. But anywho, she, she's done. She's seen through... The the fakeness of this whole uh, president of marketing job. And she is making plans to be on the first flight back to L.A. Ooh. Now, Kimberly is leaving Wilshire Memorial. She gets to her car, and Peter sneaks up on her with one rose? A single rose. Not cool. We've talked about this. This is dance recital stuff. No. <laughs> well, I think it can be it can be perceived as being like romantic. Just one wrapped? I don't think so. And he says You gotta come with twelve. At least. You gotta come with twelve? You gotta come with twelve at least. Come on. So he wants Kimberly to be his date to some I don't know what it was, like, like some gala. gala. Yeah. And he wants to show her off. Now, Kimberly warns him, well, Peter, people will think that we're a couple. And he says, I hope so. And bring your toothbrush. Like, oh, you're going to stay over. and we're we going to do it and yeah. your breath going to stay. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh, Kimberly God. is very happy. She sees, like, her, her love life is picking up. She's really feeling Peter. But she gets in her car, starts fiddling with her rearview mirror, and then a familiar Henry. face pops up. We get a glimpse of old Henry's pearly yellows, and he's <laughs> like, you're getting distracted. Kimberly. Kimberly. And then um, Kimberly's like, I can't take this anymore. I, I need to die. You need to die or I need to die. 
I'm going to kill myself if that means that I'm free of you. So then she crazily backs out of her parking space. Peels out. And then just starts driving erratically, going like 90 miles per hour in a parking lot. Kimberly, stop. Kimberly, don't do it. Please. And then she... She's not in like immediate danger by doing this, but by swerving a lot, it, it freaks out Henry and he's like, no. And she comes to a halt, looks in the rearview mirror, sees no sign of Henry, and she goes, I'm free. It's like, is that how multiple personality <laughs> disorder works? Really? You just got to scare him. <laughs> hey, Henry, boo. So weird. So these, she thinks she's done. She's shaken the demons or the demon. The demon. And that's where we leave her. And that's when we go over to D&D where Brooke has answered her phone at her desk and it's her father calling to warn her that her friend Allison has quit. And Brooke freaks out that spoiled little brat. It's like, don't let this ruin the greatest day of my life. And listen, if this if this gets messed up in any way, I will hold you personally responsible for ruining the most important day of my life. Amanda catches the tail end of this conversation. It's like, I hope that wasn't a client. <laughs> and Amanda tells Brooke, like Brooke offers like, Allison, quit. Allison quit her job. And then Amanda's like, oh, that's weird. I Because I told her that you're getting married. Right? Yeah, and Brooke is like, you told her? Yeah, you're getting married. Is it supposed to be a secret? Yeah. So now Brooke is like, oh, gosh, I have to like think fast about what I'm going to do. We've got to get Billy over to the house tonight, not let him leave our site so that way he can't be intercepted by Allison in any way. Now, remember the last time we saw Joe and Jess, Joe and Jess were in a fight about getting married at um, Makeout Point. Right. And Jess had sped, sped away and was like, I'm taking you home. Well, it turns out Jess did not sleep at Joe's place. Right. So Joe went on a, a, a spree trying to find him and she went to the construction site. She pulls up in, not like near a construction site, not like <laughs> around the construction <laughs> She's site. She's like in it. She drives in the construction Inside site. Inside the building that they are putting to, that they're building. She is parked under metal beams, like feet from work yeah, in all, Jess is like all around her. Welding a story up from her. <laughs> and she pulls up to talk to Jess in a BMW. When did Joe get a BMW? Really? Yeah, it's nice. And she's like, Jess, hello. Like he like he could just come, like you can just roll up to work. Uh and it's his first day. His first day. <laughs> like, what kind of an employee is this dude? And uh so Joe's like talking to him, she's like, Hey, you know, you you shocked me, man. I'm sorry. I was surprised. And I was worried that you didn't come home last night. And then Jess is all, you know I'm no good at this stuff. But you know what? That's bullshit because this whole time Jess has been like, 
I'm great at all this stuff. <laughs> I love sharing my passions for things, and I am very emotional. <laughs> like, yeah, emotional to the point that you just want to like lose your temper and go crazy on people. Yeah, this is a complete like uh, backpedal from all that we know of Jess. Now, thank goodness the foreman sees what's going on, and it gives us a little dose of reality because he's like. Um, excuse me, Hanson. Why is your girlfriend here? You got to tell her she can't park in the work site. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> no guests. And so basically they make up. They're both like, I miss you. I miss you too. Sorry oh, about God. everything that happened. And then she leaves. And so like, we're supposed to think that they're like good. They're good. They're all good. Back to Mackenzie Hart. Richard missed a meeting this morning and Mackenzie is not happy about it. Right. She has called him into her office and she wants to know where he's been. He says, I was with Jane Mancini last night. We had a working dinner and Mackenzie immediately confronts him and says, you slept with her, didn't you? And he doesn't he doesn't say yes, but he doesn't say no either. He says, Look, Mackenzie, we agreed to see other people. And then that's when Mackenzie again throws out the age card and she's like, I know I'm not as young as Jane, but I do love you. And then she starts like kissing him and putting the moves on him. She's sad that they're not together anymore. And then yeah, Jane spots it, right? Out of the yeah, window. So the way that Mackenzie's office is situated, people that are working out in like the bullpen area can look into her window if the blinds are open. And so Jane is seeing them canoodling together and this doesn't make her very happy. It's basically a Chaz Amanda situation. Yeah. <laughs> Although they didn't make direct eye contact while making out. <laughs> So we go to Paul's place. Paul's with Matt. They're having dinner, eating Chinese food, and they discuss the uh, the candlesticks, the candlestick holders that are in, that are at the table, and it's very subtle, which I like, and I'll bring that up later. But um, they they sort of marvel at that, and he's like, "Yeah, well." Um, too bad my wife's going to have to take those back with her during the divorce. Do you want some more garlic chicken? <laughs> Pile it on. Pile it on, baby. <laughs> and they, they, they're, they're, they just have their lovely dinner, and we move on. Now, Jane confronts Richard about this whole Mackenzie thing, and she's like, you guys looked a little cozy. I saw you guys kissing. And then Richard's basically like, look, Jane, we built the company together, man. What you saw was affection between friends. I make out with all my friends. Now, Jane is like, so <laughs> let me get this straight. You need to kiss her in order to keep your job. And does he basically say like, well, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. That's and sort of it. He's like, look, I don't. That's true. But I just don't throw my love life in her face. And Jane's like, look, I have no intention of playing the other woman. But then again, I'm like, are they married? Whose heart is like, is 
his last name hard. They're both hard. And she took it, or did like he take her last name? I don't know. Yeah, I am very confused of how they fit together. Now, Allison is has boarded an airplane to Los Angeles. And she is talking this woman's ear off that's sitting next to her. She's like, I'm crazy. I just quit my job for a hundred grand so that I could go back, find this guy who I love. Interrupt his wedding and make sure that he knows I love him. So then he'll pick me over the person he's supposed to marry in 14 hours. And I would, if I was this woman, I would immediately ask for a seat change. Um, excuse me, can I sit somewhere else, please? I can't do, how long is that flight? 14 hours. 14 hours? I'm not doing this. <laughs> can't do this with so, Allison. Unfortunately, we learned that there's got to be some kind of delay with the flight. Maintenance. Yeah, you know, they have to get maintenance and they're, they're anticipating the flight to be delayed by four hours. Allison's pissed. She's like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Somehow. She makes she it. She makes it. But that's later. <laughs> now, Peter and Kimberly are at this gala event. And Kimberly is like, she is very clingy. She is all up on Peter. She's like, I want you, Peter. I want you like I've never wanted another man. For years, I've just been praying to be invited to this event. And now that I'm here with you, all I want to do is leave and jump your bones. And as she, they're like all up on each other, Michael and Sydney show up as they're kissing. Kimberly looks at Sydney and she's like, as your doctor, I have to say that dating Michael can be hazardous to your health. <laughs> now that was one of the best lines of the episode, yeah. in my opinion. Um, and I got to say, I love Michael and Sydney together as a duo. They're I great. love them together. They're teamed up. They're like little Bonnie and Clyde. They're just, they are so well suited for one another. They're little devious rascals. I love them. Love those guys. They make so much sense together. And they're like, just kind of like dishing it out to Kimberly and Peter, tongue in cheek. Like, well, <laughs> they were... By the end of it, once they got once she they got forced married, and like they were just like living it, and Michael was like, "I'm I've accepted this. I think I love you. Yeah, we're good." If Kimberly hadn't Kimberly come back from up, the dead, yeah. I think they would have been happily married. They'd be fine, and yeah, they they're great. So Kimberly has to she has to excuse herself so that she can like <clears throat> Hulk out in the bathroom, <laughs> like. Gosh. <laughs> and like she she's like in the bathroom looking in the mirror again trying to find what's his name trying to channel henry trying to find henry and of course sydney goes into the ladies room at this moment and she's standing by the doorway and witnessing right. the unraveling of kimberly now henry's talking to herself himself <laughs> and he's like People are walking all over you, Kimberly. <laughs> and then Kimberly, she's like, they they like make a deal. She's like, you need to kill everyone. And Kimberly's like, please, no. Uh, I, let me keep Peter, please. I just want to keep Peter. But I, 
music. I'll kill them. Michael, Amanda, and Sydney. I'll kill them all. And I got to say, this really took me into the jinx land. Really? But you haven't seen the jinx. I haven't seen the jinx. Oh, then I can't, I can't spoil it for you. But if those who've seen it, you'll remember a confession in a bathroom that's very much like this one. Yeah. Um, but she's not mic'd. But Sydney hears that shit. And Sydney is like, okay, this is the information I need. This is all I need. Now, we are at, we're in Pasadena. It's Billy and Brooke's wedding day, guys. Billy walks into what appears to be a 12-year-old prepubescent girl's room. Guys, that floral pattern could give you epilepsy. It's so busy. There's so much happening, and it's everywhere. And that teddy bear. have literally just plastered that pattern on everything. I bet that big-ass teddy bear is really a nanny cam so that her dad can watch. (laughs) Fucking gross. (laughs) It's definitely a nanny cam. So, of course, Billy, like, wakes her up with kisses and he's like, oh, I hated sleeping alone from you. We've only been together for six days. How can I be away from you? I don't think it's possible for me to love you more than I do. Oh, God. And then they're just talking about their new life together. Right. And she's just kind of like, I need the assurance you over Allison. And he's like, yes, she's done. She's like, not in my, like, she's not even in my mind. It's all you, Brooke. It's Dunsky. Brooke looks great for just waking up. Of course she does. (laughs) Now we cut over to the board meeting and I'm going to ask, there's so many things that happen with like D and D and the hospital on Saturdays. Oh yeah. It's so weird to me. So this is coinciding with the wedding. They're at the board and they're going to be talking about Peter's medical license. So there's a couple people there to talk on his behalf and a couple people there to talk against him. Now, Michael completely backpedals all of his original statements about Peter and what transpired the night, the day that Peter tried to murder Amanda and take out her appendix that didn't need to be taken out. Now, they cut over to Amanda basically refuting everything that Michael is saying and putting her spin on it, how Peter and Michael had worked to conspire against her and Peter pretty much almost murdered her and that if they do give Peter his license she will sue the entire board in addition to every single member on the board for negligence mm-hmm. now after saying that Amanda walks out of the, the boardroom and sees Peter and Kimberly kissing and she's like oh this is disgusting I would never expect this from you, Kimberly. And then Kimberly, she fires back. She's like, one woman's trash, another woman's treasure. Now, we can see immediately that as soon as Peter lays eyes on Amanda, he's narrowing in his crosshairs to her. Like, he, he's forgotten the allure of Amanda and how much he... the 
the the chemistry between them, the magic that they had. Yeah. I mean, when you when you teach somebody <laughs> the three weaknesses, that is a special it's like, a bond. It's a fraternity. Yeah, you know, it's a bond. Like, they are forever interlocked. Now, of course, Amanda doesn't want anything to do with Peter, and she's like, "Don't look at me. I'm leaving." <laughs> and she's trying to get on the elevator. And Kimberly senses this, and she's like, uh, hello, I'm the one that's about to go into the board and like sing uh, your praises. I think Kim- Kimberly's already in there. She she walked off to like go do yeah, the... Yeah, um, she says that right before she goes in. Oh. Um, and then he is like just like looking at Amanda like, I love you. Come back to me. Let's head back to this wedding day. Billy meets Richard Hart who has showed up with Jane and um, Amanda and Jake roll up. Like people are coming to the wedding. Billy's saying hello to everybody. And Jane and Billy have a, they have a little moment where it's like, look, I'm friends with you and I'm friends with Allison. I think Allison would understand why I'm here. And I'm like, what? Would she? I don't think she would. And then, of course, we've got Amanda's has to put her two cents in and say, Billy, I'm thank God you've outgrown your obsession with Allison. And she also makes a point to go over to Jane, Jane and Richard. And he, she's like, whoa, Jane, I got to hand it to you. You know, I'm still recovering from your body slam, but you uh, you really went after it and it's paid off. And Jane says, what can I say? Some of your ruthlessness must have rubbed off on me. Mm-hmm. Sure did. Now, Billy has a moment with Mr. Armstrong. They're having a sort of pre-wedding father of the bride groom discussion. And the gloves are off here. Mr. Armstrong's like, look, motherfucker, I know that you're a loser and you know that you're a loser, but my daughter is everything. So you better give her exactly what she wants or I'm going to ruin your life. And you know that I can do that, asshole. Yeah, I mean, like that's (laughs) paraphrasing it, but that's like basically what he says. Yeah. And then, of course, freaking Billy is like, uh, I hope we'll both be happy. Yeah, and uh, guess what? If if you ruin her life, I'm I'm gonna ruin yours. <laughs> like, oh, shut the fuck up! Well, I would slap his ass. I I am I'm impressed by Billy because he does say you don't have to threaten me to make your daughter happy. I love your daughter and I want what's best for her. And then this impresses Mr. Armstrong too, and he's like, well. Gotta hand it to you. You have a backbone at least. Okay, let's do this thing. <laughs> now we're at Wilshire Memorial with Paul and Matt again. <laughs> Paul shows up to Matt and says he wants him to come over to the house, get started on dinner. Like, this is <laughs> this is already weird. Like, flag. You know? Like, in my brain, <laughs> if someone was like, Hey, Go to my house and make me dinner. You start making dinner. Two hours early. I, get there two hours early. You start making dinner. I'm going to get there and eat it. I'd immediately be like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, why don't I just wait till you're there? Yeah. Why don't <laughs> we make dinner together? Why do I have to make you dinner? 
<laughs> yeah, this shit would never get me. But Matt's like, Matt oh, agrees right. to it. Okay, great. I'll be there at four. See you at six. And then Paul's gonna get like movie tickets. Is that the... no? He's gonna like rent a video. Oh. I think. I think. And then even Matt takes time to ask, "Hey, will the alarm be on?" And Paul says, "No, it's disarmed, but the door will be open. Here's a key. Mm-hmm. Let yourself in." Get to work on my dinner. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just start making dinner, all right? Don't worry about the alarm. So this is just bad all around. <laughs> this is getting weirder. Paul's strange. Getting real Terry Oaks-ish up in here. So now Kimberly and Peter get back to Peter's. And... Peter's um, tense. He's he tense. says, my work life is hanging in the balance. So there's a phone call. But uh, he and Kimberly start hooking up a little bit. And she's like, come on, baby. Let's, 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 let's relieve some tension. Phone rings. He takes it. And he plays it very coy on the phone. But when he hangs up, we learn he is able to keep his license. Back in biz. This is quite a victory. So, of course, Kimberly wants to celebrate by giving him a little happy ending. Give him a little taste. And they they start hooking up. And then he's like, actually, I have a lot of work to do. So I think what would be best is if you leave and um, we'll get together another time. Now, Kimberly thinks this is a joke, and she's like, come on, at least we can, you know, get together a little, a little bit. Something. And he's like, no, get off me. Peter's done. You need to go home now. I saw Amanda. You're yeah. out. He's gotten all he needs from Kimberly, which was good words during the hearing, and he's, he's through with her. She's disposable now. And Kimberly, she's not used to hearing no. And neither is motherfucking Henry. All right? (laughs) Those two get what they want. And if they don't, (laughs) bad shit happens to photos, to mirrors, (laughs) to cars. Shit is not good. (laughs) Now, Now, Kimberly leaves, but on her way out, she hears Peter making a phone call. So she sticks around. She kind of like goes covertly over to the open window uh, around <laughs> Peter's house. Now, this phone call is so obvious. <laughs> and it's, it's like, like, you couldn't wait like until Kimberly was out of earshot to leave this message. His windows are cheap as fuck because you can hear every word. He's like, hello, Amanda, this is Peter. Yes, Amanda Woodward, who works at D&D. Now, seeing you today has really rekindled (laughs) some feelings for you, and I think we need to talk as soon as possible. I really like you, and I am done with Kimberly, for sure. Um, Now... All the while, however, Sydney's watching this. Yo. So, Sydney's tailing Kimberly. She's on the phone reporting back to Michael. Dude, Henry doesn't fucking like this. He... After this phone call, Henry gets all up in Kimberly's mind again, and he's like, it's time, Kimberly. Because the reflection of the window pane affords us this look into Kimberly's soul. God, I love Henry. Henry's <laughs> starting to rub off on me. <laughs> it's time. So Sydney is tracking this. Now, no one is safe in Kimberly-Henry world. So let's head on over to the airport. Allison just got back 
And she gets a cab immediately from LAX. And she's like, Brooks house, please. <laughs> Tells them an address in Pasadena. And they're on their way. And does she, does she just know the address from when they did the shoot? Yes. That's it? She knows the address. Okay. Next scene, Matt shows up at Paul's house to get dinner started. And he lets himself in. But as soon as the door opens, the alarm goes off. Matt starts panicking a little bit because he wasn't expecting this. He runs over to the phone to call Paul's office. However, nobody answers. He then looks around and notices that coming out of a bedroom are a pair of legs and they're on the ground. He starts calling out and runs into the bedroom and notices that Carol, Paul's wife, is on the floor unresponsive. Looks like she has been bludgeoned to death mm-hmm. with none other than the candlestick that they were discussing over dinner the a few nights previous. Boom. I, I love this. Now, one thing that we didn't really touch on too much is over that dinner conversation, Paul does say something about the candlestick and says, yeah, they were made in like the late 1800s. If you look at the bottom, they have like the year stamped on it. That caused Matt to pick up the candlestick and take a look at what was going on on the bottom of it. And in doing so, he's transferred his fingerprints to the object. Now, what is what I want to stop and talk about here is how great this is. I, I think it's, it's perfect writing because the scene prior with the candlestick wasn't enough to make me as a first time watcher be like, why are they talking about this candlestick for so long? But you knew that there was some sort of right. significance. Exactly. Them. Exactly. I knew immediately once I saw the candlestick, I could, I, I had enough information to immediately recall it and be like, mm-hmm. oh, oh shit, Matt is fucked. Mm-hmm. So this is a big deal. And I, it was, I think it was perfectly set up. And of course, after he's discovered the body, he starts emerging from the bedroom, running out to get help. But that's the same time that the police enter the home. And from their perspective, they're seeing a strange man Mm -hmm. try to flee what looks like a crime scene. So he is immediately arrested. Yep. Little old Matt. Who'd have thought? So Matt, yeah, Matt's screwed. Now we go to Joe and Jess. In Joe's apartment, Jess comes home early because he's on a what is called a swing shift. Not sure what that is. I think, this but it is, allows you to go home, honey. I think this is what we used to do when we worked at Bertucci's. Remember oh, like, that? Like a mid break. Like we would work the morning shift, get like a two hour break, and then we'd go then back to back. work and work a night shift. Mm, okay, that's just for people that want to work sixteen hours a day. Gotcha. So Jess is on one of those, and uh, no one refers to this as taking care of a little business, but Jess does. And he then proposes to Joe again. But this time, he actually has a ring. So he produces it, and he says, Joe, I want you to marry me. Now, this time, Joe's response is, 
I don't know where you got that, which we know how Jake gets when you have to question him about like what you're doing, what are your intentions. But now Jess gets really upset. He's like, what do you think? I stole it? Yeah. So immediately. And it's like, yeah, he probably did. Yeah, of knowing course he Jess. did. Of course he did. He just said in a couple scenes that he was working for free at Shooters. Yeah. So Joe is like, look, let's slow down. Why do we need to race into marriage? We're, we're great at sex, but we have to get to know each other. And this, this is the worst scene. I mean... But it's one of the best scenes. It was so emotional. And honestly, like, I watch this show with kind of, like, a little grain of salt. Like, of course I care about the characters, but I kind of, like... It's like a soap opera, like, funny, kitschy, guilty pleasure for me. But there was something about this scene that I literally got tears in my eyes. It was troubling. It was very... And, you know, I think they it was so well done in that they showed you... It's what they didn't show you. So the way that they blocked this out was after she says, let's get to know each other, Jess grabs her hand and shoves a ring on it. And he's like, you're going to wear this ring. You're going to be my wife. And then he literally punches her in the face. Yeah. Like square in the face. She's down. He like they they try they have a little bit of a scuffle like she tries to fight back she runs into the bathroom and shuts the door but he gains entry and then we just have a few seconds of the camera pointed toward the, the closed bathroom door and you can just hear a beating like a ruthless beating and stuff, screams stuff's breaking you hear in the smack and the boom boom pow. And it was very emotional. Yeah. It was terrible to hear that. And then Jess emerges and he's still yelling at her. And he says that you belong to me and the rest of the world is going to know it. Now clean this place up. While Joe is just on the ground, basically like... Unconscious. Yeah. She's basically been beaten to a blackout. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was, like, to watch that was very, it, it was hard to watch. It was it, tough. But, she, like, they've learned from from previous fights It's with Joe. Like, remember, uh, she would get into these fights with, uh, with Reed mm-hmm. and, like, the whole, like, kicking the knife out of his hand. Yeah, it, and, like, this was far more effective. Absolutely. At, with the door closed, because then it just leaves the the viewer at, at, to let your imagination just run yeah, with what's totally. going on and how like how how fucked up it is. But craziness, an insane finale. This this show, this episode was epic. It was absolutely great. epic. It was great. But yeah, they, like we see Jess as the. M- fucking monster that he is yeah i mean it was terrible and we could have ended there but no Mm-mm. we go over to the wedding there's a wedding of the century and i gotta hand it to them they did a great job getting this wedding set up it looks really good it's beautiful the flowers are on point there's a lot of people there considering they've only had like 
once the invitations were actually mailed, probably two days to get there. <laughs> what are those tuxes? They look like butlers. Yeah, the t- but they're it, they're victim of the times. I mean, that's very 90s. It's a very 90s look. Yeah. So it's the wedding day. They're walking down the aisle, and they're, they're there. They are in the midst of saying their vows. We're, yeah. we're there. They're like, do you, Billy, take This Brooke? is the closest wedding. Like, There's a few weddings that have happened here on Melrose Place or almost happened, and this is like the first one we actually see come to fruition. Um, Michael and... Sid and Michael and Kimberly. No, you've got... You're right. You're right. <laughs> they got it done. No, you're totally right. The Vegas wedding and the beach wedding. That wedding was pathetic. <laughs> the beach wedding. Michael's like, yeah, sure. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> but they're saying the vows. And lo and behold, a four-hour delay doesn't stop Allison Parker. Oh, no. She's there. She runs down the aisle screaming, Billy, I love you. Billy, Brooke Don't. set all of this up. Don't marry her, please, Billy. Brooke, Brooke's dad yells, guards. <laughs> <laughs> what is he, a king? Is he the gods. king? Gods apprehend her. <laughs> so they, the security like bum rushes her, Get tries to out. drag her away. And then Billy is like, no, don't hurt her. So then Mr. Armstrong's like, fine, let her go. Yeah. Release her guards. <laughs> <laughs> and Allison is trying to plead her case to Billy saying, Billy, you got to believe me. Brooke set this all up. She got me to get away from you. I love you, Billy. And Billy looks at her and he's like, you have got to let it go, man. I'm I'm getting getting married. married. If you can't respect that, you need to go. Yeah, it's done, Allison. And honestly, it's like, okay, Allison, you, you may still love Billy. And of course you want him to understand that and know that, but really in your heart of hearts, if Billy still loved you to that extent, do you think he'd be getting married to somebody else? No. I mean, I just think that you, you over, like if he really did love you, you've given him so many opportunities to like get back with you. And he's each time decided not to. Yeah. And if you ever have doubt, Allison, just look at the ring he gave you. That was a can opener. <laughs> I, I wonder what Brooke's ring looks like. Probably ho- she doesn't have one, Dan. Yeah. Sure, they she got, got it herself. They freaking got engaged over air hockey three days previous. Yeah. So Allison is walking out and Jane sees this and is like, I can't let my friend walk out like that. So she gets up too. And she walks out and is like, Allison, let me give you a ride home. I know you're like fucked, but what's home? Like, don't you live in Hong Kong? See, that was my, <laughs> that, that question comes up a what's little home? later. So <clears throat> Allison looks at Jane and says, I'd rather walk home on my hands than take a ride from a traitor like you. Ouch. I mean, I'm okay. Warranty. I, 
I have to agree that like, I think going to support this marriage is kind of suspect, but so she hates Jake too. Then like, do you have, you hate everybody that is friends with Billy now? Yeah. Kind of weird. Now Billy gets married. Yeah. And she sees them. Allison gets to see them walk down the aisle Arm in arm, husband and wife, and... The son of a bitch did it. He did it. He's freaking married. He got married. He's had three opportunities to get married. And he did this time. <laughs> Third time's a charm. He's done it. Um, so after they're, they're married, Brooke gets a hug from daddy, and she whispers in his ear, you almost let Allison ruin my wedding. You better keep her away from my honeymoon. <laughs> and I think this is how they were able to pull it all together. They didn't have any reception. Yeah. Like it's still day and they're, they're leaving done. for their honeymoon. So basically it was just the ceremony, which yeah. kind of sucks. But <laughs> and can I say if you're if you're another person trying to stop a wedding so that you can be with that person. You want to arrive in something better than mom jeans and kids. Dan, you know, she look your best. Four hour delay on a 14 hour flight, honey. Still, she had to go with what she was rocking. But I just want to go back to be your best. They didn't even have an open bar. <laughs> like, if you want me to come to your wedding, you better have alcohol there. And it better be free. God damn it. Yeah. Open bar. You got to do open bar. So they, Billy and Brooke are going to Hawaii, but, but. They're in the limo. Guess who, well, guess what jackass forgot the fucking ticket? Uh-oh, the tickets Ugh. are back at Melrose Place at Billy's apartment. <clears throat> so they've got, and that's cool. They have time. They just have time to not go to the airport right now and get the tickets. Yeah, they're good. From Pasadena to L.A. We're back with Kimberly, and she's decided she's going to enact this plan that the man in the mirror, the man inside her, Henry, has laid out. It's time to kill them all. Now, she's walking into the courtyard of Melrose Place with Sydney still trailing her. In tow, she has what I thought was a murder kit, it's like a <laughs> duffel bag and a huge garbage bag. I'm like, what the hell is she going to do with that? Like, she's, it's like Dexter. She's ready to go in and get her tools and murder get some people. She goes over to the laundry room only to reveal that she just has all of these canisters of gas. Yep. So that means that she's going to burn this puppy down or explode it or something. Now, she goes into the laundry room and Sydney follows her. And Sydney creeps down the stairs only to hear this creepy childlike humming. Like, <laughs> and Sydney's like, what is happening, Kimberly? Kimberly is under the stairs rigging up dynamite dynamite to gas cans she's taping dynamite wow <laughs> wow that's a very rudimentary bomb so sydney sees this shit and she's like you're crazy i'm calling the cops so she starts running 
but she's not fast enough. She gets tripped up, and Kimberly knocks Sydney out with a bucket. Yeah, like, I guess it's like a metal bucket. She gets her in the back of the head and then uh, ties her up to a utility sink. <laughs> now we cut from them. Peter, he receives uh, a delivery. A courier comes to his door and he's received a bottle and a note. He opens up the note and it says, you were right. We need to talk. Meet me at my place, Amanda. 6 p.m. Don't be late. And he's he's pumped. He's like, sweet. My voicemail worked. <laughs> this is great. But we all know Kimberly wrote that shit. Oh, she did. She definitely did. We now go to poor Matt, who is in an interrogation room with detectives about the murder of Paul's wife, Carol. Now, Matt's trying to give everybody the story that he and Paul were seeing each other. Paul's going through a divorce. He was given a key. Now, the detectives aren't buying this at all. They're basically laughing him off, saying, Dr. Graham is happily married. What, what would he want with you? He didn't give you a key. Weren't you there stalking him? There's been many complaints made by Carol, the wife, and by Dr. Graham himself about how you're not leaving him alone. I would be like, dude, why do I have a key and talk to anyone at the hospital? They see us talking all and the time. He, and they can tell you, especially at reception. Yeah. He's always coming up to me. Yeah. Like from behind too. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, but during this questioning, Paul somehow gains access to the uh, to the questioning room. Really strange and not something that you'd see <clears throat> typically no. where the victim's husband has any access to the person who is basically being charged for their murder. Maybe it finally worked where, you know how like Michael and Kimberly, they get in trouble and they're always like, I'm a doctor at Wilshire Memorial. <laughs> Maybe that finally worked. Like let him in. So Paul bursts in and he looks at Matt like with new eyes. And he's like, you murdered my wife. You disgusting pervert. I told her how dangerous you were, but she wouldn't listen. I told her to never be alone. She felt sorry for you. And Paul is acting his ass off right now. And Matt, the, the face that Matt is giving is like, oh, shit. Like, I've been played. I am totally screwed here. Yeah. And he's like, you framed me. I'm being framed. Poor Matt, man. Yeah, poor Matt. If this doesn't teach him to like not trust anyone, he then he deserves to go to prison. Oh, stop. He he cannot be this nice to people Don't anymore. Don't do that to Matt. Now we head back to the downstairs laundry room. Sydney's gagged. Kimberly has most of the bombs in place and takes this time to let Sydney know exactly where all the bombs are. Now, she starts off this little monologue by saying, don't you love the smell of sulfur in the afternoon? (laughs) 
Want to know how it's all going to work? I've got a bomb here in the laundry room, another bomb under poor little Allison's apartment, and that's just because she lives next door to Matt, and he's got a rotten hell, and then I have another one placed right under Amanda's apartment as well. Mm-hmm. And so this is what's going to happen. You're going to call Michael right now, and you're going to tell him that he's got to come over here from the hospital immediately. Now, Sydney's like, that's not going to work. Like, he doesn't like me. Like, he's not going to (laughs) come over here just if I tell him to. And Kimberly's like, well, you better be convincing. And pulls out like a blowtorch. Yeah, she lights a blowtorch. And she says... Not smart around all those bombs. If you don't get him over here, I'm going to make your little face match the color of your hair. Ooh. Yikes. Yikes. Now, Peter, he shows up to Amanda's. Like, we're, we're this is building. This is building. People are starting to come back to Melrose Place. Peter's made his way back. He shows up to Amanda's. Um, and as she, as Amanda and Jake come back from the wedding, Joe then crawls out of her apartment, who is like completely battered, and is like, help. Help me. So uh, Peter runs over to Right, because Peter's the doctor there, and he and Jake get Joe back into the apartment. Peter kind of looks her over. They call 911, and Joe is telling Jake, I should have listened to you. Like, you, you told me to stay away from him. And Jake is now putting two and two together. Oh, my God. Jess did this to you? So Jake takes off running. And they're like, no, Jake, let the police handle it. And He's like, uh-uh. Jake's like, fuck no. Puts on his cape and flies to wherever See Jess See you is. later. Now, Allison... She gets to her apartment. Now, so this is my, <laughs> this is, we're going back to where we were a couple of minutes ago. When Allison moved to Hong Kong, was it her intention to keep her apartment? I mean, she could make it all that flow. I don't know, Dan. Like $100,000 isn't like that much money. In 95? I mean, it, it, it's a lot. Like, don't get me wrong. What's her but- rent? 400 a month? Yeah, the rent is a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> Dude, fine. <laughs> I think like, it's like eight hundred bucks. I think it's like, four hundred per person. She's like, whatever. I can do that. Well, the apartment is completely intact. It's as if she never left. And she's there in the apartment realizing her world has come crashing down. She has no job. She's risked everything to come back and stop this wedding. Only to find out that Billy actually wants to marry Brooke and does not want her, even if she loves, even if she loves him. So the only place that she can go to comfort is the bottle. She finds that bottle. She sees Billy and Brooke come home to get the tickets, and she's looking out the window as she always does, like she did with Billy and Susan. Like she did with Billy and Amanda. It puts her over the edge. That's it. That's she, all. She cracks that bottle open, takes a swig, and give, delivers her epic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that call. Oh, I know. I know. We've missed it. So she is 
Is it off the wagon or on the wagon? She's falling off. She yeah. is off the wagon. Now, we go to what I predicted, the steel cage fight to the death, Jake versus Jess. How can Jake fight so well after getting shot in the stomach? Like three <laughs> days before w- w- against Jess, who is like A double beast. his size. He somehow knows where Jess is. Right. He gets there. It's nighttime. They're like welding. I mean, they're they're working around the clock flex, to get this. Flex shift. Like <laughs> swing shift. Swing shift. Yeah. They're just trying to get this building done. They're on a second story. Jess tells Jake, this is our business, me and my fiance. What are you going to do? Hit me again. Now, this enrages Jake, and he tries to go after Joe. And to add insult to injury, Joe says, I should have, like, look at me. I took your girl. I took your business. I took your life. I... I only wish that bastard I hired to kill you actually did. Jake is like, all the confirmation I needed. You tried to kill me. Now it's your turn, asshole. I should have finished that job myself. So they're struggling. They're grappling with each other. They both get a couple punches in. And then... They're up at each other's face. Jake gets a running start on Jess. And, like, just tackles that motherfucker off of the building. We have a slow-mo shot of both Jake and Jess flying off the side of the building to what could only be certain death below. They're just free-falling. It's midair, and we cut back to the laundry room. Crazy, man. You know that I would like to note that this is Jess's second day. At work. <laughs> his first day, his girl showed up. Now his like, employer's like, God damn it. We got to like. <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> we got to fire him. It's his second day. So Michael now comes to Melrose Place on the call that Sydney made. And he comes down to the laundry room and sees Sydney all tied up. And he's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Kimberly hits Michael with the same bucket, but it doesn't knock him out. Mm-hmm. Um, it only it only like stuns him. Michael then like reaches for like the remote detonator, um, but he can't get to it. Then Michael basically like rustles around with Kimberly, and Kimberly's head slams and hits the sink, and she gets knocked out. So this is their chance. Sydney and Michael have the opportunity to get away. He unties Sydney, ungags her, and she's able to get out. There's bombs. They're planted all over the apartment complex. We got to get everybody out. So in their haste to leave the laundry room, they leave the bomb detonator (laughs) with... This maniac. They're frantic, man. So they're running. They're going all around Melrose Place, knocking on doors, getting everybody out, saying, there's bombs. We have to get out of here. They're getting everybody out into the courtyard. 
Allison ain't coming out the, though. The best. I was gonna <laughs> say the best is Michael bangs on um, Allison's door. Allison's in like a kimono, um, and she is shit faced, blaring uh, music, and she like wakes up out of her stupor with the bottle still in her lap, and she just screams out, "Go away!" <laughs> 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 so she ain't coming out. So Mike was like, fuck this. Now they go to get, try to get Billy and Brooke. Everyone is like, what's going on? What's happening? And at that very moment, Mackenzie Hart shows up and she sees Jane and Richard together. And she's like, you whore. I know yeah. it. You slut. So literally. Everybody's out in the courtyard everybody area. Everybody except Matt and Jake. Now, well, because we all know Matt's in an interrogation room and right. Jake is free falling Jake's off free the side falling. of the building with Jess. So at this point, Kimberly has regained consciousness. She's walked up to the Melrose Place courtyard area. As Michael and Sydney are explaining, Kimberly has a bomb. Everyone get out. It's Kimberly. It's Kimberly. Kimberly walks into the middle of all of this commotion, all of this yelling, everybody trying to figure out what's going on. And she says, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not what it looks like. And everybody breathes a sigh of relief. But then she finishes up by saying, it's worse. In her hand is the bomb detonator. And we have several seconds of her hitting each button for the four bombs that she's planted throughout the apartment complex. But before we're able to see the devastation that the bombs can deliver, we get a freeze frame on Kimberly's face. Just and devious. then credits. Holy shit. Wow. Like watching this in 1995, this show has tremendous guts to leave to leave us a viewer at home in 1995 in the beginning of summer may 22nd to leave us with literally the entire cast in cliffhangers every single character is in limbo and it it it's just the balls the balls of this show to leave everyone in the 90s for months thinking about what is going to happen. Who lives? Who dies? It's, it's tremendous. We don't know. No show would do this today. I mean, because you could get canceled easily. Yeah. And there's no way that you could wrap this stuff up. But that, like, no one could cancel this. Oh no! It's like no, 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 no. This was have to. You have to play this out. Yeah. So we so fucking good. We went a lot of places this episode. Dude, a lot of developments were made. Lots of storylines tied up, and there's many storylines that we still don't have resolution for. None. Basically, none. So let's recap this beast. Michael gets help from Peter. In exchange for helping Peter win his medical license back. Now, Kimberly hooks up with Peter. Jane Mancini Designs is in Chapter 11, but Jane is hired by Mackenzie Hart. 
Allison quits her job for $100,000 to stop Billy's wedding. Jess proposes marriage and beats Joe when she says no. Jane gets a new job and a boyfriend. Billy and Brooke get married. Sydney trails Kimberly the entire episode. Paul sets Matt up for murdering his wife. And Kimberly decides to kill everyone with bombs. And Jake and Jess are in a fight and can be falling to their death right now. We don't know. <laughs> That's all I have. Me too. That, any 90s moments? Oh, so many. Uh, Brooke's tied sweater at the beginning of the episode. Jess reading the paper. Joe's art. A lot of that like weird, abstract, just like multimedia fabric strips. Sydney's eco Ico camera. Mm. <laughs> just the point and shoot. Oh, that like, was an icon. With film. Um, the whole sentiment that you don't answer the phone when you're eating. I remember oh, yeah. that being a big thing in my household. Nobody get that phone. Yeah. If the phone rings during dinner, you better not think of answering it. Nowadays, no one calls your phone. The only people that are calling your phone are telemarketers and robocalls. Like, if someone wants to get a hold of you, they're sending an email or text. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got the Brooke and Billy's limo. That was very 90s, and, and like I want to highlight the like boomerang TV antenna mm. on the back of it. Oh, yes. Because that was like super cool. Like, oh, my God, Look your car has a TV like a spoiler. in Oh. Because that's, that's the antenna oh. for, like, for like fucking antenna television. Yes. It's like that is gone. Yes. Uh, I have the font for Mackenzie Hart Designs. Oh, that was trash. Oh, it's so 90s. It's up there with Lisa Frank. Like that that kind of style. Joe's like jean outfit when she confronts Billy after his like couple run. <laughs> she has like, it's like a jean dress skirt. Yeah. It's like a romper. Yeah. Um, I have Amanda telling Allison that she sounds so close. Calling from Hong Kong. <laughs> you sound so close. <laughs> um, that's all I got. Kimberly's low square heels. That was a thing. Like those chunky square heels. Mm. Um, that takes me back to Payless 95. Um, telling a cab driver just an address. I I just had anxiety for that driver watching what? this. <laughs> Where do I go? Like, especially in LA, there are so many neighborhoods and there's no rhyme or reason. It's not like being in like a city like New York where it's like a grid pattern where you can be like, okay, well, I know that 1600 block. Yeah. I know where that is. It's like, no, here's a random address in Pasadena. How the hell are you going to find that? I'm like, well, let me get out my map. I mean, honestly, I, that's the only way that you could do it. Um, I, we talked about this, but the groom and Jake's tails throwing rice at a wedding. Mm-hmm. That is like from the 50s to the 80s. Why did they throw rice? 
I, I think it was just to celebrate. Like, I, I don't know what, why they did. I, I could like. So birds like attack but, you? But that's why they don't do it any longer because birds would eat the rice. And as the rice expanded in their stomachs, it would literally explode <gasps> little birdies' stomachs and they would die. Ew. Yeah. I heard you're not supposed to feed ducks bread anymore either. Because same kind of a deal? Yeah. Mm. They're just not supposed to have bread. Yeah. Um, Physical plane tickets. Jane scrunchie. And then that using that freeze frame. Like mm. ending something with like a freeze frame on Kimberly's face. How about that detonator? Yes. <laughs> the one Well, button. I don't know what kind of advancements have been made in... <laughs> At home. Looked like a garage door opener. Bombs. Yeah, it did. But lots of 90s things happened. Dan, what did you learn from this episode? I learned so much, but I think we should highlight just the lesson of don't force it and take hints. Hmm. Take the hints. Basically, Jess with like marriage, like... Take the hint the first time Joe is like, oh, what? I'm not ready for that. Take the hint she doesn't want to get married and don't propose it the next day. Um, Allison with like Billy, what uh, what more does Billy have to do than talk to you on the phone and say, it's a wrap? Yeah. That's what he did. He responded to your letter. Take the hint. Um, Kimberly with Peter. He's he's kind of done with you, pal. Like yeah, you hooked up. He didn't up. really give her hints though. The only hint she got was her overhearing him talking to Amanda's yeah. answering machine. Oh well, and she forced it. She was forcing it. Mm. And Peter maybe should have taken the hint that she was insane. And then Jane with these like relationship triangles, like she should have took the hint at the door that uh. Old Richard there was, you know, wrapped up with, with the geezer. <laughs> the t- decrepitly old, ancient, terrible yeah. woman. Then Brooke with this wedding. Like, don't force it. You know, you, Billy's yours. You can get married somewhere else. Yeah. And then, you know, Matt with Paul. Take the hint. Please take that hint. What about you? What's your lesson? Take the weapon away from the maniac. (laughs) I hope to God that you or I or any of you listening has to be in a situation where you're fighting for your life. But if you get that adversary down, you need to disarm them. I mean, I know Michael and Sydney wanted to go alert everybody as soon as they could and get out of harm's way. But you could really do that. If you took away the detonator. Yeah. Well, that's pretty good. I got to (laughs) say. Thanks. Pretty damn good. Now it is time for... Bitch of of the the Week! week! I'm a boss ass bitch, 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 bitch. All right, guys. Last week, it was Paul versus Lowlife, a.k.a. Richard Ramirez a.k.a. the Night Stalker. And the winner this week is Jenny. (gasps) Yay! 
Paul is the bitch. So with that, let's read your responses or reasons why you voted for Paul. Amanda, she just posted a picture of Kimberly's mirror buddy is so very reminiscent of Bob in Twin Peaks. Which I think Twin Peaks was first. Yeah. And I love, I love the term mirror buddy. We should call Henry that. <laughs> Amanda also um, does say that Darren Starr was rather obsessed with Twin Peaks. Uh, if the many references to it in the 90210 seasons one and two are anything to go by, that's great to know. Hmm. But she voted for Night Stalker purely because Paul doesn't deserve the title yet. So I think she means this episode. <laughs> okay. So Donald says, honestly, Dan, I don't understand your argument. I mean, did you want Night Stalker to kill Jake? I'm kind of confused for that reason. And for other reasons, I'm voting for Paul this week. I absolutely hate this guy. He is annoying as hell. I don't understand why Matt wants to be with him. And I agree with you, Dan. He's not very attractive. And I wouldn't date him mainly because he's married. I mean, that is just wrong on so many levels. Happy Halloween to everyone in the group. Hope your Halloween is fun and great. Oh, thanks, Donald. Thanks, Donald. Hope yours is fun, too. Nikki said, okay, I fully understand I'm beating a dead jorted horse here. But <laughs> Jess is one million something percent bitch of the week. He wears jorts while swimming and is trying to kill little brother. What the fuck? What is wrong with you as a human person to do either of those things? <laughs> Kevin says, my vote is for Paul Oaks. <laughs> he does kind of have that Terry vibe. So that's what's really driving my vote this week. Oh, and because he's awful. Or can I just vote for Brooke again? With season four coming up, I think we might as well give her bitch of the week for the entire season because she's going to be that bad. Wow. I am really interested to see how that pans out. JoJo says... Paul is a total major bitch. How do you hit on a coworker who is super sensitive about being gay, by the way? Nothing wrong with being gay, in my opinion. But that's just how MRP is so not a safe place for gays. Wait, what? Melrose Place. Oh, duh. Paul is married, who apparently is super confused about his sexuality and decided he likes DS more than vaginas. <laughs> Was that supposed to be DH? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Found his victim, poor Matt, and decided to turn his life upside down and not in a good way. Bitched about Matt to his wife like a total loser crocodile tears and all and then goes back to matt lying about getting a divorce and being separated if that does not make him a bitch then he is a bitch and a loser at its finest episode retitled the jane slot <laughs> for the simple fact that girl can't even show can't even show when jake is in critical condition tisk tisk Graham says, let's talk about that utter sleazeball Paul Graham. He is so completely appalling that he makes me want to change my first name. <laughs> his oh, 
His looks remind me of an iguana for some reason. <laughs> an iguana? And I've always been repulsed by him since he told Matt, he, Matt he'd thought thoughts and fantasized. I mean, ugh. Look, I know that this was in the 90s, and I know that some men still struggle with coming to terms with their sexuality nowadays, and I know his wife is a total lunatic, but he's exactly the type of undecided man that every gay man should avoid like the plague. Guys like him deserve no sympathy for their internal struggles, and he's basically a user and a liar and a fraud. He completely deserves to be bitch of the week sometimes, so it might as well be this week. Thanks, Graham. Heatherina said, I'm giving it to the Night Stalker. (laughs) The hilarious part is he goes back to the scene of the crime. Thank you. I I find it hard to believe that no one recognized him. I could assume that his gang probably gets around and has a reputation. He shoots Jake with tons of witnesses, and then returns to the bar? I mean, there's no change in his appearance. (laughs) Yeah, agree. He could have cut his hair or something. (laughs) Honestly, he should be in hiding. He's just a dumb criminal. Yeah, agreed. Thank you, Heatherina. Well. Great feedback, guys. Wow. Thanks for writing those in. Jenny. Who's your bitch this week Look, for the finale? For the finale, guys. You know, the, the thing that I don't have that a lot of you have is knowledge of what's going to happen. So had I known how terrible Paul was going to be this week, I would have nominated him, but I wanted to mix it up a little bit. So I'm going to nominate Big Brother Jess. Big bro. Big brother. Guys, he beat Joe up and in such a vicious way. And it really literally brought a tear to my eye. Like I was almost crying watching Melrose Place. It really got to me. <laughs> it's getting you. It really got me. And the way that he's just trying to like take over his brother's life when, you know, Jake is really just trying to throw him a life raft and help him make a, a great life for himself in, in LA. The way that he's repaid him, trying to have him killed and then ultimately stealing his girlfriend that he just wants to beat. And I don't know. I just thought that that was his whole behavior. This whole character arc has been terrible, but it's really culminated in this last Last fight to the finish where their lives are literally hanging in the balance. We don't know what's going to happen to Jake or Jess. So for that, he is my bitch this week. I agree. Jess should be bitch of the week. But I have to nominate somebody. So I'm throwing up a meatball here. Henry. (laughs) (laughs) A.K.A. I'm talking about the man in the mirror. Or, a.k.a. Mirror Buddy. Mirror Buddy. Okay, Henry, why does he want to kill everyone immediately? <laughs> like, give it some time. Yeah, like, <laughs> he, so he is Kimberly. So <laughs> He's inside Kimberly. <laughs> so he's Kimberly. He's being a bitch to himself because he doesn't care about himself. He wants Kimberly to just pick up some scissors and stab Sydney in the neck. You know where that's going to leave you? Prison for the rest of your life. 
you can look you'll be able to look in the mirror and talk to yourself forever like it's a bitchy thing to do to yourself leave yourself with no alibi come on man like just give it a rest in due time let these people die i agree but you know do it with with more pizzazz more style Henry, bitch of the week. Okay, guys, it's up to you. You oh, tell yes. us who is who's the bitch. Did we get it wrong? Do you want to nominate somebody else? You can do all those things by going to Facebook, by taking to Twitter, and checking out our Instagram. Bring in your vote, and we'll tally them up for next week. Make your voice heard. So, this episode was entitled the big bang theory daniel have you renamed it i have because those are the rules may i please may you share with us what the rename is guards (laughs) take her away (laughs) no i'm renaming this till death do us part Hmm. very good Everyone is till death. And their death is imminent. And they'll probably part. <laughs> <laughs> and someone got married. Um, I'm renaming this. It was Dr. Graham in the bedroom with the candlestick. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. A little clue reference. A little clue action. All right. We're going to predict the start of season four. I'm going... Jake kills Jess. He wins. And it's probably deemed an accident. I'm just, I'm just sort of predicting the cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what happened? Mm-hmm. I know, I'm cheating here. I know Allison goes blind. She's got to go blind from that blast. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> She's got to go blind from that blast. Um, Brooke dies, mm-hmm. maybe? Mm-hmm. And that's how, like... but. Again, spoiler, because someone was like, she's the bitch of season four. Yeah. Kevin. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, I think Kimberly somehow lives and goes to the loony bin mm. for a while. I think that Peter, I think that Peter coughs up the money to rebuild Melrose Place. I think Melrose Place blows up. Really? Yeah. But I think Peter puts the money in to get back into Amanda's good graces. He ponies up to like rebuild the joint. Hmm. And somehow Matt gets clear of all these charges. Mm-hmm. But I, tr- I tried to like think about like how or what, but I don't know. I think Matt gets cleared. What do you think? I agree with you on a lot of these. I think that some of the bombs are going to go off, but not all. I think we're going to have some devastation and destruction. Not everybody's going to die, though. I do agree with you. I thought Brooke was going to be killed mm-hmm. so Billy and Allison could reconnect. Yeah. Um, I, But I've, I'm thinking that that's probably not going to be the case now. Um, I'm thinking that... Mackenzie is killed in the blast so Jane can take over her company and her man. Uh, I agree with you. I think that Jake is going to kill Jess. I think Jess will literally break Jake's fall when they fall on the ground. And I think that the impact is going to kill Jess, but it's going to allow Jake to live. 
He just uh, crushed your brother. And, and I think he's going to get back with Joe. Little brother crushing big brother. Uh, I think Kimberly is going to get away. Like she's going to somehow evade capture. And I think that will enable her to continue to torture everybody in the opening of season four. And I agree with you. Matt is proven innocent. Somehow they're going to find some cooperating evidence that maybe Paul's tried this before. And like, the- we found semen upstairs. With <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think I I don't think it's quite a stretch for them to find out that they were having a sexual relationship with one another to have maybe Matt probably told people at Melrose Place about it or there may be physical evidence, like you said. So uh, he he is somehow going to get off the hook and stupid Paul is going to take the fall for killing his wife because he did it. He should. Maybe, maybe it's like a Susan Billy wedge situation where like Billy has to like help Allison out being blind and that like ruins the relationship with Brooke. Oh. Yeah. Someone's got to help her. Yeah. (laughs) Well, if this were 1995... There would be a, what do we say, three and a half month hiatus Yeah, from now until then? It's only going to be two weeks. Two weeks. That's it. We're taking one week off. Yep. Just because this was a doozy. And, oh. and we need it. And Dan's going to be running a half marathon next week. Yay, Vegas half. We're yeah. gonna, maybe we'll try to go to um, where Chris Marchette. Got beat up on the floor of a. Maybe we'll go to one of those little chapels and renew our vows. And order some chocolate covered strawberries. (laughs) So two weeks, guys. Yeah, man this this was the best finale thus far. Oh, hands down, it was fucking riveting. I stopped taking notes at many points because I just was enthralled with the action and. Really interested to see what's going to happen. And I think you're right. I think that during this time in the real world, um, this was too close to Oklahoma City bombing. So they cut they cut the explosion so that they could use it next next season for next season. And you know what? I can't take credit for that because I did read that somewhere. And it may have been one of our awesome listeners who posted... Yeah some article about it in the Facebook group, but it was something I, I, I didn't come up with that on my own. Yeah. <laughs> I like read it somewhere that they didn't show the explosion because the Oklahoma city bombings had occurred very recently. Mm-hmm. So the Oklahoma city bombing was April 19th, 1995. And this was May 22nd. Yeah. So just over a month. Yeah. So they were like, Ah, uh, they probably already shot mm-hmm. shot everything. They were like, "Let's just hold off on the explosion until this cools off." Mm-hmm. I guess it's smart, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> three seasons in, Jenny. Did you think we would make it this far? I don't know. I I mean, when we first started this little project, I think we did the math, and it was like, well, five years from now. It's going to be like 2022 or something like that. It's like insane. Um, I just take it one day at a time. (laughs) 
<laughs> we thank you guys for listening so much, man. We had our best month ever in October, over yeah, 4,000 downloads. It was awesome. So thank you so much for tuning in. Yeah. And share it with your friends. Leave us some reviews. We're on Patreon. Patreon.com slash MelrosePod. You can always check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That handle is at MelrosePod. And, dude, I hope I hope you all are wrong. I hope you all are wrong and that season four is even better than three. And even if it's not, we're going to make it better by talking about it and making fun of it <laughs> if it really, really sucks. But we'll we'll find we'll find the love. We'll find the gems. We got a new review. <laughs> Mindy Monster writes, I love this podcast. I listen to pop culture recap podcasts most of the day while I'm at work. And the Melrose Place podcast is at the top of my list. Thank you so much, man. Dan and Jenny are hilarious. Mm. And have such great chemistry. Their entire podcast community is so active and conversational. That's a review for you guys, too, man. Because you guys are the freaking best. I mean, hello. If you're into 90s trash TV, definitely subscribe. That is so cool. Thank you, Mindy Monster. We so appreciate you spreading the word about us and sharing with us how you feel. And like we said before, that really is the best way for us to grow our podcast is to get those awesome five-star reviews from you guys yeah like that's the first shit i look at for a podcast like what are their reviews do they suck are they good <laughs> let's do it so guys thank you all so much three seasons in the can we're still we're still going strong we're not even halfway done we're not even halfway not even halfway. It's 2 a.m. right now. <laughs> we love smut. And we love you. 